Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Chase Thompson. I'm Chris Katzner. I'm Keith Conroy. I'm Felix Castro. And I'm Rob Enough. And this is an exciting time for us. I was telling you guys, this is the very first army we ever reviewed on the podcast, October of 2015. Second edition hadn't been out very long. And I remember Dan King, who helped write the first draft of the herd list for second edition, uh, was on the show and it's been forgotten for eight years. I was looking at a list of all of our, you know, when we did the last review of all of our different armies. And I'm like, you know, we probably ought to do this. Thought about like, well, who do I know that I have been crushed by with herd? Chris, at least twice. (laughs) Felix, at least once. I don't think he's crushed me yet, but it's just a matter of time. And then to add a little mid-table perspective, we brought Chase on. How generous of you. <laughs> Chase, you did pretty good at the Kings of Memphis GT, if I recall. Yes, I was I was one above countercharger at uh, Kings of Memphis. So you're not quite hovering at average. So you're you were punching above your weight that weekend. So uh, and you know, our buddy Andy still laments the fact that I think you got a rear charge. Side charge with some harpies on his crossbow, man. He was not very happy, but well, nice to meet you, Chase. Hey, good to meet you guys too. Well, awesome. Let's start with Chris Capster. He's may have been playing her the longest. So give us a sense, Chris, how long you've been playing. The Herd. I have been playing The Herd since they weren't called The Herd. They were called Beastmen back in Warhammer Fantasy. I think I played uh, Warriors of Chaos or just Chaos for like a year back in 2002. And then I switched to Beastmen when they released that book. And I've been playing Beastmen kind of until I want to say 2012. And then I switched to Warriors of Chaos. But then when when uh, everything blew up there and we were switching over to Kings of War and I saw what the herd list looked like, I immediately jumped on the herd and I haven't looked back. I haven't played anything else. Uh, well, actually, I, I just lied to you because one time I took my, my herd army as Northern Alliance when the edition change was happening. But other than that, uh, my, my herd army has always been on the table. And uh, what is that, 2015? Now, I think that's when we made the the switch over. It is second edition, the Summer of the Sundering. Yes, yes, indeed. So I've been playing for eight years officially as the Herd uh, and really enjoyed them. And I don't think in that whole time you ever played another army. Uh, No. (laughs) I own other armies, but no, I haven't played any other armies. Fantastic. Keith, same question to you, sir. The tail end of Warhammer before the uh, end times uh, campaign started. I had picked up a beast of an army off of a local gamer, had a bunch of the really cool old models, metal dynamic sculpts, like old minotaurs that I can't find. Those metal minotaurs are amazing. They'd probably fetch some good money on eBay. Man, those are beautiful. And the uh, the Ungor Raiders, which are still my favorite sculpts. And so I'd had an army to play casually and had brought it to, I think, one or two GTs. Then the end times happened. I started playing ogres and dwarves because... Like other dwarf players, I was infatuated by, oh, wow, that's more than just castling. Like, But then our good buddy Josh Rosado was like, man, I really want to play Ogres. And I was like, man, Herd looks really good, and it fits the theme, and I have all these other uh, models. So we did an army swap. 
So a lot of the herd that I use today are Josh Rosado, uh, one of the New England War Kings models. And he has a whole bunch of my ogres that he uses as the uh, the moonshins, which you'll have to ask him about. It's got its own fluff. So I've been playing them probably around 2016. Brought them to the San Antonio Masters was like the first major uh, GT that I brought them. And Felix, I know you've played herd because I think you beat me with herd at one of the Sword of Kings, maybe the second one. Yeah, it was the first one I went to. I didn't. I didn't go to the first Sword of Kings, so probably the second one, uh, Sword of Kings. Yeah, I. Uh, and, and since I beat you, I, I, I guess I've retired the herd because I just want to go out on top. That's what I do. It's all downhill from here. But actually, uh, Dwarf was my first army that I when I started playing Kings of War. Kind of like seeing a tactic other than Castling. I was like, ooh, higher than speed four sign me up. And I think a lot of the reason I chose the herd was because with the dwarves, I got a lot of ties, not a lot of draws, not a lot of losses, but I'm like, you know what? This, these games just need to happen fast. So that's, I was just the play style, like games being basically determined by turn four or five was kind of like, Ooh, I like this. And so that's why I ended up choosing the herd. So that would have been 2017. And Chase, let's throw it over to you. How long have you been playing the herd? Uh, I've actually only been playing them about a year. Really, really enjoying it. And uh, I took him to Kings of Memphis this year, and that was uh, my best showing. I started out in at the very tail end of second edition. I played Rordia from then pretty much up until up until this year. And give us a little introduction to you, Chase, because this is the first time you're on the show. Yeah, first time for me. And I think you may be the first guy from Mississippi, I think, on the show as well. Well, I'm the only guy in Mississippi, so that would be, you know, that makes sense. So I never played miniature games as a teenager or anything. In 2000, I think it was 2018, uh, maybe 2017, uh, David Reed in Huntsville invited my brother. He worked with him at the time. Rocket City Gamers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Invited him to a brewery one weekend to play board games is what he said. Um, so we showed up and they had a Frostgrave table all set up. Um, so me and my brother split a war band and played that for a, a little bit. And then I played that for probably six months before they brought Kings of War one day and saw it. And it's like epic scale. And immediately it was just like, okay, I have to get in on this. I spent, you know, the next two weeks just ferociously surfing through the internet to find army lists and uh, ended up going with the League of Rordia. David Reed, we actually had him on the show back in 2015. Man, Huntsville, we need to get those guys back on the map. Well, guys, I'm super excited to have you guys on. It's an army that people love to play, and it's you know it's it's unusual. Keith, why don't you give us a sense of you know what the herd are all about in the uh, world of Panathor? So as Garkan and Dark Chiron, so two of the uh, evil wizard, the evil wizard, and one of the uh, wicked ones of the uh, the pantheon. Uh, we're tearing apart the world. Um, they took uh, the essence of sentient beings and beasts, mashed them together, and created the orcs. So they took the remnants of that and decided to um, give it to um, Dark Chiron to play with. And so the um, discarded parts, the... Um, mashed up uh, pieces were put together to form um, the quote is his own whimsical creations. The unfortunate creatures, part noble beings and part beasts were shoved forth unloved and discarded by their creator into the world as the herd. So brave Chiron used his powers to heal the damage within their souls and hearts, giving them comfort and relief and opening their eyes to the possibility of a better life than what would have been intended for them. Some of them were too far gone um, and were just enraged by his brother's interference. So Dark Chiron came back and stoked them with rage and pain and drove them towards Oskin's Mad Crusade. 
that's when the green lady intervened and the ones who could be saved, um, the green lady um, took them into the forest of Galahir and the herd declared her mother, the embodiment of the whole world and represented their conscience. Um, that'll be important later because the other aspect, the father represents that primal instinct, that urge, that violence, whereas she represents to them that saving grace, that humanity. Um, and then not to be outdone, Dark Chiron came back and said, well, if I can't taint these creatures, what I'm going to do is I'm going to taint the hearts and minds of men and the other races of the world against them. And so he instilled upon the other races this dark, deep, seething hatred and mistrust for them so that the creatures of the herd were so um, reviled and seen as abominations to the other races that they became a liability in the God War so that eventually the lady had to take the herd and put them back into the forest of Galahir because the um, other allies, the elves, the dwarfs, and the men were so mistrusting of these creatures due to what Dark uh, Chiron had done. Um, and so that's where they are today, as they are the uh, guardians of Galahir. They patrol the borders. They watch her sacred groves. Um, they are the conscripts. They are the people. They are the everymen. Um, they're the ones that when bad things start happening, war erupts, they're the ones who get conscripted, who um, come to the ladies' aid and to fight. One of the things that's interesting, Keith, is that you know you really describe them as a force of good. But it's interesting because they are a neutral army. And Nick Brooks did ask, you know, why do you think this is a neutral army instead of an evil nature faction? Well, it's interesting because I actually played my beastmen back in the day as more like this than the evil twisted chaos, right? I saw, like, I grew up reading the Narnia books. And so when I saw the herd, when I saw the beastmen and I saw the herd later, that's what I pictured them as. And um, even though they're like this neutral army, I guess I always picture things that are protecting the forest and protecting nature as being neutral, but angled towards good, <laughs> right? Like, like it's a, it's a good thing to protect nature. So I've always had that perception of they're more good than, than evil. They're more, they're more good aligned than neutral itself. They've, they've got a toe over that good line versus, you know, the other way. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Well, you also got to think, too, you know, it's nature. Nature doesn't I, – I, I view nature as being a very neutral thing. It, it doesn't – it's not really shading towards good or evil. It's, it's just – it is. It's balance. Right. And right. so they are the guardians of that balance. So if they need to slap a couple human settlements upside the head, okay. If they need to stop an orc invasion, cool, they'll do that, too. You know, it's – uh, so they're, they're more nature, you know, so that's why I think they're more neutral than good. You know, I always viewed them as good, kind of good as well. So, Chase, Nick Brooks also asked, give me the elevator pitch on why we should play the herd. So, first of all, they look awesome, right? That that kind of, uh, I hate to say beastmen because that's what everybody thinks of, but that, that animalistic humanoid kind of crossover look, I think has always really resonated with me. I've always been a big fan of the werewolf aesthetic and movies and, and comic books, stuff like that. But also before Order of the Green Lady was out, it was like the alpha strike kind of neutral nature kind of army. Um, now that they're out, I don't think we're quite as distinguished in that kind of role or whatever, but I still think it's aesthetically awesome and it's a super fun place. I'll just go smash stuff in the face really hard. And if you can't do that, you can flank them with your fast flying nimble stuff. You got flying around everywhere. 
I was just going to say it's a very, I'll I'll agree with Chase. It's a very aesthetically pleasing army. Um, That's what first drew me to, to play this, this type of army. It's that, it's that harken back to my childhood, enjoying those books, but it's, it's also like when I first saw those metal, metal Minotaur models we were kind of referencing before, I bought a ton of those back in the day. <laughs> I own <laughs> over 90 Minotaur. I have oh, shelves of, of various uh, Beastman models and, and things, and I just can't stop getting them. When new things pop up, I want to get them. Uh, it just is always that aesthetic that drew me in. And, and I've always been a player that like I'd rather have models that I really enjoy seeing on the table. And then I try to figure out how to use them (laughs) rather than the other way around where some players will like, they'll look at an army list and say, Oh, I want to play this army. And now I have to figure out the the models to fit it. So yeah, Chris, uh, we we told you we're recording a podcast episode. This is actually an intervention and uh, Keith has written a letter. uh, uh, Yeah. Lore-wise, Elevator Pitch, you should play this army because despite the outward appearance of the anger of the primal instinct, they're seen by other races as superstitious and savage, but they're in fact similarly one with their environment, their existence, and their purpose. When not required to fight, they tend naturally towards a peaceful existence, managing their crops, hunting, and tending to their people. So if you like good tropes about, you know, the reluctant hero, you know, called up only when absolutely necessary, but would rather be with their families to give their lives. You know, the whole beast within, the misunderstood, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, like, didn't have to be a tortured creature, but those around him shaped him that way. There's bits of the Redwall universe, you know, the creatures protecting their home. Um, even like the Witcher, right? Like somebody who's ultimately a neutral, neutral good good guy but the perceptions of everyone else in the world you know perceive him as evil like there's so much good stuff in here and one of the things about kings of war that keeps me coming back is just how deep the lore is when normally and i'm guilty of this too i I always think of it as basic until i reread and they're like oh wow yeah that's a good point and they do a really nice job with this kudos to them yeah i agree and john paul fuller jackson does ask where can I get good herd models? So guys, give us some sources of some good herd models. I do um, RDG or RGD gaming for all my regular infantry. Um, so that'd be warriors, spear warriors, all that, your longhorn stuff. I, they have uh, fawn models, satyr models for your longhorns if you want to go that route. And then they also have centaurs. Um, they're hard plastic, so they're great. And the centaur and the fawn uh, upper bodies are all cross compatible, so you can swap weapons or shields or whatever you want to do with that. I'll second that. I really I was looking for a while for a good centaur kit, and the Rune Wars make some good ones, but those can be kind of hard to find. Um, I think that they're out of print and out of production now, and they're a little big. But I do like the RGD Wargaming. There's also some good privateer press stuff with the um, Circle of Orboros. Um, they have some good plastic kits that you can make um, lichens out of and. Um, some beasts in nature kits too. Yeah, definitely second the uh, RGD gaming stuff. I, I backed the Kickstarter years ago to get a bunch of fawns and some. Actually, I think they threw in some centaurs. I, I don't think I even had them in my order. I think you get a couple free ones with each fawn box. Yeah, so I was like, okay, it's nice. So uh, yeah, really good hard plastic. Like I said, like Chase said, good hard plastic models that look good. You know. They fit the role. It's funny because we had Rob Dunham from RGD Gaming on like back whatever. Was that five years ago? The Kickstarter? 
Uh, yeah. I love seeing the models, de- the, the range develop. It's really cool to see an independent source of, of, of that quality is great. Even though like I came from the GW stuff, I have a ton of that that fits all the, all that. There's a, there's a lot out there right now. I, every, it seems like every time I'm turning around, there's a, a new, you know, STL file of various, you know, uh, herd like models that are coming out, whether there be, you know, kind of beast man like centaurs or um, minotaur. There's a ton of different ranges that have minotaur in them. Um, there's a lot of just about anything that's that's elemental forest like. When we have all the forest stuff, you know, the tree men and the forest shamblers and stuff like that. Um, there's a ton of different ranges that have those uh, out there. I think I have a female tree man model. I can't remember who makes it, but it's a beautiful model. I haven't painted it up yet, but there's just a ton of stuff out there that we can use uh, for our, for our kits. And I would, I would argue that Mantic should market and have a herd tab on their website (laughs) because they actually have quite a few models that are in the herd list. Like all of their forest stuff is in there. Their earth elemental stuff should be in there. Their, uh, their werewolf kits should be marketed as lichens as well. Um, you know, that we have the scorch wings, um, we, we have, uh, gargoyles to market as harpies. We have the tundra wolves to market at, and the girl panther kits to market for those. Um, there's just a lot out there that Mantic already makes that you can make a herd army out of. And I'm in the process of converting one up myself. So that's going to be hundred percent Mantic. Mantic. When you look at it, right. Herd can be one of the better starter armies because you have so many ties to different armies, forces of nature, salamanders are included as some of the things listed. Um, you know, the four samplers are earth elementals are some of the more popular units that you can use across all armies and would love to see something like in the future, you know, maybe a lichen slash werewolf kit where you could model either or and update that line because they're really cool models. And then they did some uh, PVC models. I think it was uh, Dungeon Saga. Was that it? That they did. Um, there was like some Longhorns in there. Mono pose ones. Yeah, League of Infamy or something. Yeah, it was, yeah, the League of Infamy. Uh, they had the herd expansion. Yes, and then they also had um, some like dryad looking creatures. Uh, so I had a buddy who ordered the Kickstarter for that. So he gave me those. So I'm going to use a mix of those for my uh, Hunters of the Wild. My flying chieftain is actually uh, one of those guys uh, with the gargoyle wings put on the back of him. Oh, nice. (laughs) And he looks pretty sweet. Well, all right, let's get into the army itself. Obviously the alignment is neutral. The army special upgrade is the saber tooth hunting cat, which gives the unit duelist, but I know not most of the units can take it. So is this an army special rule that gets used very often? I use it on my flying chieftain, (laughs) but it's a pretty weak overall rule. It's not indomitable will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, but I think it's like four models or four units can use it, something like that. And it's on characters. We have a lot of um, competition for good characters, and they can kind of get expensive already with items and upgrades. So to add an extra ten points for something um, situational, I'm I'm jealous of the other uh, army special upgrades that a lot of the ar- other armies get that are. You know, I would love to see Frenzy Daughter in here. I'll be honest and say that our special rule is Pathfinder and Thunderous Charge on basically <laughs> everything. Right, right. I was actually just going to say that. <laughs> well, they do have it under special rules. You can put the Pathfinder thing in. But yeah, the special upgrade. Yeah, the Sabertooth Hunting Cat is kind of uninspired, I guess. 
is the best way to describe it for in my opinion so i think they could get creative and come up with something uh really good for an upgrade that wouldn't tip the scales but would uh be a lot more interesting than something that could be taken on only three or four individuals and even then most of the individuals that we don't take that often we had a lot of stuff i was super excited about with the clash of kings updates this was the one thing where i was like please let there be a new army special rule (laughs) (laughs) you know is is the probably the only disappointment really for me but well this army we should mention is a theme list of the forces of nature which is its master list and there's a host of forces of nature units uh, that they can take and that hasn't changed. So let's get into some of the units that have changed and that are herd specific. So we're going to start with the infantry guys. We'll start with tribal warriors. And the big thing here is that the points have been amended. They are 75, 115, and 190 for the horde. And you remove the thunderous charge one special rule, but now you have an option to buy it uh, for five for the troop, five for the regiment, and 10 for the horde. So what do you guys think about tribal warriors? Wrote about this in the Herd Army Review. Shout out uh, Dash 28. Check it out. Light infantry in general suffers at this point in the game due to the existence of things like zombies and scarecrows, right? And just that super cheap unlock that still has unit strength too and can sit and provide unit strength and can do a wound in combat. That's really, really all you need. And so they've been in an awkward place for a while of like, they're too expensive to be something that you can like use reliably as an unlock and then at the same time they don't contribute enough or don't fulfill a specific purpose like they still will only do two or three wounds as opposed to the one or two against anything and they're too slow to always make use of their thunderous charge so i think but i don't think that's specific to hurt i think that's a game thing there's many armies that have these light infantry options that you never see because why not just take the even worse option which still gives you an unlock and is cheaper and can sit and provide unit strength. Yeah. What Keith says is right. That is a a general thing with the game right now is that unless you're super cheap or just like super almost brokenly good infantry just doesn't really get taken all that much. And so I think the changes for this are, well, there's a way you can just keep them cheap because we have to say i think someone mentioned in the the thread earlier today that i read that people's like oh with the all this phalanx going on it's like well you don't necessarily have to pay for it now i mean not really helps that much but at least you're not paying for something that can get stripped really easily with phalanx so i just feel like at, at five points and ten points for the horde i feel like they're slightly more threatening that right then then without the thunderous charge so it's like eh, i don't really want to get flanked by a regiment of these guys with thunderous charge but without you're kind of like eh, if i'm tough enough i'm not too worried about it but you're also spending extra points for offensive purpose for a unit that's not good at offense so it's i don't know it's a little bit of a mixed bag yeah and they have a worse or a comparable damage output to harpies you know with thunderous charge but not having vicious and uh, 12 attacks hitting on fours defense four um, to keep them alive, you got to keep them in the woods, and there's already a shortage of those because you want all of your units in the woods getting cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say thematically, I'm not a fan of the this change that's kind of kind of be applied to a number of units as we talk about it with the making the thunderous charge optional. Um, you know, just thematically, I liked thunderous charge across the board for our infantry units and. 
and just uh you know they've got the horns and things like that they're coming in and it's it thematically it just made sense and i liked it I, my brain goes to well what does this mean does this mean like i i if i don't put thunderous charge on these are the ones with that got their horns clipped when they were young or what <laughs> it, like, so it didn't it didn't you know excite me to see this change um, I know the the people that are really going to fine tune lists are going to like being you know finding a, a slightly cheaper way to slip some of these units in, um, and there are times where you'd like to put that unit in, but you, they're just not quite cheap enough, and maybe five or ten points is is going to get it in there. But in general, it's like eh, meh for for this change for me. Well, let's move on to tribal spears. Like every other phalanx unit in the game, are getting cheaper and. They also, as Chris alluded to, they're getting the same option of you're not having to pay for Thunderous Charge, but if you want it, then there's an additional cost. So the points now are 80, 125, and 205 for the Horde, and you are removing the Thunderous Charge 1 special rule, but you can purchase it back for 5 points for the troop, 5 points for the regiment, or 10 points for the Horde. Charles wants to know, with failings getting cheaper and likely making more of an appearance, will Herd get anything to mitigate this, or will they just be unintentional victims of attempting to rein in an abundance of flying units? My quick answer is, Chris Kapsner showed me that Stampedes don't give a crap about failings. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will put that on record that uh, I have many a time put my pike horde out there going, bring it. Well, he brought it, and one they were dead in one turn. <laughs> Talk to me about the potential effect of an increase in phalanx on the battlefield and how it will affect herd. I use the chariot units, so it's a little less effective against that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 could be a potential change within the herd is that yeah. you might you might you might see more people taking the Minotaur chariots because they're not affected by phalanx. So you know. And, and like I said, phalanx only works from the front. And yeah. one thing the herd's good at is flanks. So correct. Maybe you have these cheap units go up and, and hold a unit in place for maybe a turn and then your flankers can come in and, and take them out from the side. I mean that that's that's a thing. That's a possibility. It wouldn't be the first time an army has been hit accidentally by, you know, trying to tamp down other areas of the game. <laughs> Dwarves with shooting. <laughs> it's it's a rubber band. Uh, you know, I, I served on the rules committee for a couple of years and we, we went through this, you know, every time you're making a slight change, you know, it, it affects something you don't even think about because <laughs> you're only a group of five, six, seven people talking about like how this is going to affect things. And yes, you bring in a rules um, you know, you bring in some people to help play test things, but let's be honest, it's it's not it's not covering every possible angle of the game, and there are always unintentional consequences of of minor tweaks. This doesn't it doesn't as a herd player, it doesn't scare me though that Phalanx is going to get slightly cheaper, and so maybe you see one more unit on the table than you would have normally seen before. There's so many ways we can work around it with the way we have. The ability to have cheap chaff, um, the way we have the ability to flank, as already has been alluded to here, I'm not as I'm not that concerned about it, and that's going to probably bite me in a game or two in the future. But <laughs> I love this change to the tribal spears. I think this puts them. I mean, let's knock on the tribal warriors some even more. Like for ten points, you get three extra attacks, which is great. And then you also get the phalanx uh, special rule for 10 more points. Like, that's a great yeah. value. And then oh, the horde size goes down even more. They used to be like 225. Now you can get a horde for 205. And one of when I've played tribal spears in the past, my favorite item that I put on them was the brew of sharpness. 
And so they become like spirit walkers were still hitting on threes, but slower. But now they have a horde with phalanx. And I think if this was a unit that you'll see more of or something that you might not necessarily want to spam, but if you're looking for extra unlocks in your army, tribal spears all the way because they can hold objectives better. Um, They're a little bit more resilient. They have more attacks to make a difference. Like you can't ignore a flank from them. Um, And then in a horde size, you know, they they can be pretty deadly with the right items. Big fan of this change, and I think that they're uh, with that aggressive pricing. Um, I'm excited to take them, and I look forward to getting my uh, RGD Fawn miniatures painted uh, <laughs> up and ready to go. And we should mention the warriors. Yeah, the, the tribal spears are only an additional ten points base uh, for the regiment, and what uh, fifteen points base, you know, for the horde. So it's not a significant increase, and for that. Uh, you are getting phalanx, and you're getting, as Keith said, you're getting three more attacks in the regiment and five attacks in the horde. So, and you have the optional the option to take thunderous charge if you're so inclined, or if you wanted to do something else like rule of strength or rule of sharpness. I mean, you, I, it's kind of a la carte, right? Like you can yeah. you can build the unit you want, which is nice. Yeah, I, I agree with Keith of the uh, between the tribal warriors and the tribal spears. I'd go spears all the way, and and and, and I do like the price range that these are in right now. It's a, it's a good change, and we should see them. Having a decent unlock at a cheaper point like this, 125, is so nice, because I don't know about you guys, but I struggle a lot to find the unlocks I want for my cool monsters and my flying stuff and my heroes and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So tribal spears are to harpies what tribal warriors are to Panthers. Yes, exactly. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> There's your SAT prep for today. Yeah. <laughs> um, plus, they're really good targets for uh, the Longhorns Rally 1 that we'll get to in a bit. Well, next up we have, I know Keith is a fan of this next unit. Keith, you want to you take us into this one? These, so these are the Spirit Walkers. They come in Troop, Regiment, and Horde. Um, no changes to them, so they're coming um, right out of the book, um, as is. Uh, troop, unit strength 1, 12 attacks, dash 11 for 105. Regiment, unit strength 3, 15 attacks, dash 15 for 160. And then a horde, unit strength 4, 30 attacks, dash 22 nerve and 265 points. Um, most importantly, they have melee 3. Pathfinder, thunderous charge 1, and wild charge D3. And like every other Berserker unit out there, defense 3 as well. So these are your definition glass cannons. Um, I prefer them strongly with the Brew of Haste, um, so they can get a charge range of up to 17 or 18 with the Wild Charge plus one aura. Um, I like to deploy them centrally so they can cover a ton of board space and hold up some opponents while your flanks get to work and get in position. Um, But they have a countdown timer on them. They're not going to last till the end of the game, um, and they can survive most charges one turn if they're in cover but never a second charge. So they do bleed a lot of points, but they are very worth it. Anybody else using the Spirit Walkers? Or is Keith the only one? And I guess we should listen to Keith because he did win the Masters with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I actually took a uh, troop of them to um, to Memphis this year, and Rob you know, was shocked when I pulled them out of the box because he said, I thought these only come in hordes. Didn't didn't know you could buy them as a troop. They're 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 really fragile as a troop. I mean, dash eleven with defense thirteen. They're super fragile, and you got to just hide them until the right moment. But I got a flank charge on one of um, Andy's behemoths in our game, uh, and I got a bane chant onto him, and. 
they ended up doing some some pretty good work uh, in that situation. But yeah, there I had probably two other games where they just died doing nothing. They combo well if you can get Moonfang in there or a Bane Champ, Thunderous Charge one. You know, you're starting with between you know, thirty attacks. Like this will be your counter towards the um, trash meta, right? Picking up hordes of scarecrows or things that you would otherwise like. We have a lot of seven attacks, six attack, you know, quality attacks. But um, if you need volume in your list, look at Spirit Walkers. Just realize they're squishy. And the TC one's perfect for a defense three or defense four unit, right? You can really knock it out with 30 attacks. Well, that's going to do us for the regular infantry. Let's get to heavy infantry. The next up is Hunters of the Wild. Let me just take a quick poll here. Have Do any of you guys use Hunters of the Wild? No. I am painting uh, two regiments coming up after uh, my next batch of stuff. And the only reason I'm doing so is because I take the formation, which scouts. So these guys will be a durable kind of... Uh, you know, unit or two to, to scout up with them and kind of help them hold the line till the rest of the army gets there. Played against them in like Sylvankin, but seen them in the herd or used them myself. Um, uh, I'll say with the changes to Longhorns, I almost wish I didn't bother. They should really only be used in Forces of Nature if you need a regiment unlock, and that's about it because um, there are much better, uh, more resilient options. You know, just take. Hordes of four shamblers. If you have the points that um, won't waver and block up the rest of your lines when they inevitably do, they don't have any. Um, unless you combo them with the Wilt Father, you know they need a bane chant. But we need bane chant in other places in our army, and the uh, the the lack of crushing strength. You know they they're just in a weird place, and there's better things to take than them. We should probably talk about the formation. It's it's does does it how, how does that work with these guys? It's just another unit, really, for me to go up scout with them, just oh, so they're not okay. as exposed right. up there alone. Gotcha, gotcha. You're just supporting the units you're taking in the formation. Yeah, get, yeah, get, pretty get, much. Get, yeah. Get even if we take a Gladewalker, Druid's Nature and Balance, or Ring of Harmony, they don't even have the elemental keyword. They don't benefit from a lot of the synergy within the army. Um, they would be good if you want to build them if you're thinking about creating a Forces of Nature army, but other than that, just take a regiment of four Shamblers. Awesome. Well, let's get into... Maybe the most exciting, most exciting? I think it's pretty exciting uh, unit upgrade, uh, which is the Longhorns. Let's go through the profile and we'll talk about what's changed because I think there's some really interesting things here. So Longhorns are obviously heavy infantry. They're speed six. They're Malay three plus. They used to be defense four, but now they're defense five, which is a huge, which is a nice boon, right? And the attacks uh, actually go down, right? So they go, they go to 10, 12 versus 15, 20. Uh, and but the points go down significantly, right? So it used to be one thirty five and two hundred five for the regiment for the troop in the regiment, and now we're looking at one twenty and one seventy. That's thirty five points. Really, really, it's thirty points. You're having to pay five points to add thunderous charge back in because it's not built in anymore. Good point. But thirty points is a lot to be. <laughs> that's a lot on a unit, I think. And they still have crushing strength one, pathfinder, rallying one, herd only, right? They just don't have thunderous charge one anymore unless you want to pay for it. I mean, these feel like decent units. So I will say when I was first reading this, because the very first change is changing the defense to five plus, I got super excited. And then I read the next line of dropping their attack down to 10, 12. <laughs> and I wasn't excited anymore. I mean, it, it, it just, um, this feels like, a lot of other heavy infantry units that are just kind of the middle, middle infantry, 
um, like Paladins, you know, or, or something like that. They're just kind of, um, they're a good defensive unit. They can counter punch because they do have, you know, they, they, they do have that crushing strength one, which is nice to have. Um, but gosh, reducing their attacks just took the wind right out of my sails on this dropping, you know, that regiment from 20 to 12. That's a huge drop. And yes, they're 30 points cheaper. And yes, they have defense five instead of four, but it's a huge drop. So now they're more of like, to me, they're more of like a supplemental unit that's giving that rally around them and stuff. And then they can punch a bit and they and that defense will keep them around a little bit longer, but they're not as scary to anybody. Yeah, it's important to note too that they kept the rallying one herd only keyword. So make sure, because not every, we have such a wide variety of units uh, more units than you think don't have the herd keyword. For example, Hunters of the Wild. So you won't always be giving rallying one to everything. I could see them in troops, maybe with some infantry heavy builds that you need a second line to punch or something to carry tokens at defense 5, 10, 12 nerve. That's a little bit more resilient and you're giving the rallying. But I, I was the same as you. I thought I skipped right over it and saw the points and then, oh, 12 attacks for a regiment? Oh, okay. And and before the changes, I used to take uh, really mostly just the troops. Um, I love to hide them in the back, have them rallying, and then once a hole appeared in my line, I mean, a troop of Longhorns before the change, I mean, basically it was a night regiment charging you. Yeah, right? 15, I mean, 15 attacks. attacks on threes with Crush One, Thunder One with Pathfinder. So, I mean, it was my second line was a troop that was hitting like a night regiment. So it was, I, I liked it a lot. I agree with um, you, Chase. I've done that a couple of times as well, and it's it's very yeah. handy when that you know hole appears in your line, which is undoubtedly yeah. going to happen. <laughs> Those guys <laughs> filling that hole can really knock something out. Uh, and they're, they're typically destroying whatever was already exchanging blows with with what disappeared in your line. So and and not a lot of people play against the herd because not a lot of us play it. But so you have these moments all the time. I feel like where I'm playing and someone goes, "Wait, they do what?" And I'm like, yeah, 15 attacks on threes, crush two, or crush one, thunder one. Yeah, and they're just like, oh my god, I didn't think they would hit that hard. Some of our more popular units, right, like the Lycans, um, which we'll get to in a little bit, or the Centaurs, also don't have the herd keyword. So this is kind of a bummer to see that, because I like the synergy that the Longhorns would give fluff-wise. You know, these are the the guardians to the chieftain, you know, the, the more decorated soldiers, the leaders on the battlefield, but they only affect about a quarter of our army. But damn, but Dash I, 24 Spirit Walker Horde would be pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> the Centaurs not having it to me is, is a real crime because they're like, you can't get much more herd than that, I feel like, right? And if you're going to take them you know, in previous editions and now waiver mitigation items, um, I would put like a Dwarven Ale or something on them just because mm-hmm. you need them to be moving to giving that a, um, the rallying bubble and then the 14 16 nerve for like heavy infantry is on the lower end with defense four and even at defense five they still can get wavered kind of easy so uh, but they do benefit from the regiment discount so if you're looking for something to upgrade them into a semi hammer you could take a look at um elite or vicious i also gave um uh, uh nimble for 10 points on the troop which made it kind of a fun oh, troop God, to, yeah. to skirt around, um, and it made it really easy to fill those holes in the line when it would when it would happen um, for just ten points. I thought it was really worth it. So well, and I'll, I'll say, being heavy infantry, I had I've had problems before where I didn't line it up quite right, and then I go to plug that hole, and I go, oh God, I can't, I can't fit there, you know. 
Sure. Um, so one thing about them pre-change was I felt like they were a little bit too similar. They were they were kind of like brute guard or guardian brutes. If I couldn't afford the guardian brutes, sometimes in my list. Whereas now I feel like they're a little too similar to the hunters of the wild for there to be both in the list. Kind. Of, I don't know. Well, who wants to take us through harpies? Uh, is there anyone here who doesn't take harpies in their list? <laughs> Love harpies. No, every time. Yep. Right. So good. Perfect chaff. Go ahead, Chase. You want to take this one? They're, they're, they're not. They're not fearless, but they're they're pretty close to to great. I mean, perfect chaff. Speed ten, flying eight attacks. They are melee four, defense three. Uh, the biggest problem for me is the nerve nine eleven. Um, but they're fly, nimble, pathfinder, and vicious melee, which is super important because it really just tips that eight attacks on fours over the edge enough where pretty much whatever you're charging, you're going to get that wound in. They're so good. I, I take two in almost every list I have. Yeah, these are the backbone of our army. The harpies is the the speed 10. It's very useful for, you know, with the heavy infantry base, very useful for getting into chaffing situations. They can babysit objectives if you need them to. Um, and they also, they can't be ignored um, in combat. There's been a lot of times where like, oh God, I'm running out of units. All right, send the harpies into a flank and, you know, 16 attacks, fours, uh, vicious. And then if you have a Bane chant, like you can do a couple wounds. They they have swung some battles for me. They have um, Dolph characters, like MVP in most games. Really, really useful to have. And a proper premier unit, I'd say, you know, they're a significant upgrade from the Gur Panthers and something that's unique to us that, yeah, harpies are wonderful. I will say, I, I, I know we're going to talk lists later on, but I take two of these and one of the Gur Panthers. And um, part of that's points, but part of it's, you know, um, I don't know how many times you guys have run into this, but like one wound on these guys can waver them. Be very careful where you put them. You do have to be careful. Uh, but there'll be times where I'm like using my chaff as a screen um, and somebody will tap it and, and um, you know, or go up and hit it and waver the harpies. Well, because they're flyers, they lose that nimble, right? So it's hard for them to get out of the way. Whereas the Gur Panthers have the ability to back up and still have nimble because they don't lose it. It's a way I can get my, my Gur Panthers can get out of the way easier than harpies when they're, when they're in that situation. But in all other situations, the harpies are superior. Um, for more attacks and and uh, and having fly. So, if you're using them to screen your lichens, always leave about a good inch gap between them, <laughs> so yes. that you can nimble around them when they inevitably get wavered. Yes, <laughs> you have to really plan out how you use how you use these, but they can be those pre- that precision knife in the list that wins you so many games, whether it be you know, late game capturing tokens or objectives and things, or, you know, flying into a zone uh, because of that, that speed and nimble. And they're so cheap. You're, you're not really using them unless you're in, unless you're throwing them in to get in the way of things. You're, you're able to kind of keep them back out of the fray for quite some time. And they, they're kind of late game winners for you, whether it to be to finish something off or go capture an objective. Uh, being on a heavy infantry base. I mean, that's a pretty wide base, but it does cover a lot, you know, Sometimes you get those units that are going to be chaff, and then like the unit they're chaffing is wider than they are, so they get charged anyway. So them being heavy infantry, they're they're wider than a lot of the stuff they're trying to, to chaff up. So that helps a lot in terms of the protection game. Uh, it's perfect for guarding my centaurs. 
<laughs> things, right? Because um, a lot of times I'm running them right in front of centaurs or something, and then you can you can protect that unit perfectly because of that width. Let's get into the ranged infantry, of which there is only one option. They are the tribal trappers, and they're a lot the same, but there is a couple tweaks here. They're still speed six, melee four, range five plus, defense three plus, and they come in a troop in a regiment and, uh, you know, unit strength one and two, but the attacks now are 10, 12 instead of eight or 10. The nerve is still a 9, 11 or 13, 15, and their points have went down. They're now 85 and 115, but it not really didn't really give you a discount because the thunderous charge is now a separate option you have to pay. So the five points you lost, if you want thunderous charge back, you're giving it back the five points. Um, there's still Pathfinder Scout and short bows uh, with 18 inches. So I know Chase, you've obviously we'll talk about the formation in a minute, but you do take some of these, right? Or have only in the formation. I think without the formation upgrades, um, I just think they're, they don't unlock. Um, they're, they're pretty much just as expensive as the warriors. And I just, I, I find them kind of lackluster uh, without the formation upgrades. I just think that the game has moved on past the point where we need to be worried about range five non-steady aim infantry being a problem they should have steady aim if anybody in the game should have steady aim it should be hunters that are out there in the wild you know trapping right their whole fluff is about being mobile you know shoot you from the shadows set up elaborate traps knowing the lay of the land like these are the steady aim um, yeah. people that you read about in the fluff and then you know the dwarf rangers same thing and skulks you know just not having the steady aim is such a big hindrance it comes up all the time and most of the time right we know shooting armies you're your opponent generally has cover at least half the game in one way or another or an individual. So once you go from fives to sixes to sevens, I mean, forget it. Like you're not even guaranteed to do a wound at that point. Um, and not having the ability to unlock is, it's pretty devastating because why, you know, just take harpies for chaff or, you know, take four shamblers if you want something to scout and project threat, but they really don't do anything right. They're squishy. They don't have any, damage of um, of their own that they can do through shooting or melee. It's kind of a bummer, too, because this could be one of the um, keystone units that brings out the theme of the herd, but instead they just never get taken. I do I do like the increase in attacks to this unit. I, I think this yes. is a good upgrade. I think you're going to see this formation being taken more, or at least attempted to. <laughs> um, I think I keep wanting to take this formation and I struggle to find the points to fit it in because I, I have other pieces that I need in my army for my general strategy. But I do like our for this formation and with the lowering down to the points um, and increasing of the attacks, it actually made the formation cheaper to take, you know, overall and potentially a little better with the, the higher number of attacks. So I don't know. I think we're going to see some people trying this out with this change, but I, I agree overall with your sentiment, Keith. I would have loved to see uh, with the formation, the um, even if it's just these two tribal trapper units so that you're not worried about spamming, but like the silent hunt, being able to unlock or have steady aim, you know, yeah. expert ambushers is right in the fluff. Like, come on, give, yeah. give them steady aim. But you know, I feel like when I take the uh, formation, I'm paying attacks for a tribal tracker hero already, you know, does can't contribute a lot and takes up one of our really valuable hero unlock slots. That 
is very true. So the formation is two regiments of the tribal trappers and then a single tribal tribal tracker, which is the hero version of that unit. Um, you add 20 points to the tribal tracker and they gain um, plus one nerve. So they go up from 10, 12 to 11, 13. Uh, and then all units in the uh, formation gain and snare. And they also gain a special rule called Deadly Snares, which is whenever a unit from this formation is touching difficult terrain and is attacked in melee, the attacking units immediately suffer D3 points of damage. No nerve test is taken when damage is caused this way. So this, to me, is exactly what formations should be in the game. Because it's a... It's not your... It's not your power gamer, like min maxing, super awesome formation, because if that's the case, then everyone takes it and then it becomes less interesting, at least to me. This is something that takes a subpar unit, gives it an interesting twist, which slightly changes the role a little bit, and then it just makes it a little bit more fun to take. So I love these guys because it's you're just chip damage until they decide to charge you. And then when they decide to charge you, you're ensnaring and in difficult terrain because you're never going to not put them in difficult terrain exactly so they're charging you at a minus two and taking d3 wounds it's not d3 hits it's d3 just damage just flat right away um and then the uh the hero in this also gets an aura vicious just flat vicious so it works for shooting as well um but it's it's a makes this like a okay if you want to ignore me that's fine i'm going to chip shoot you for four turns and then move towards an objective if you want to charge me, I'm also fine with that because I'm a fairly cheap unit that you're going to have to commit at a minus two. You're going to have to commit something with some offensive power to take me out, at which case I'll probably swarm you with my many nimble fast units. Um, and if you don't respect their their melee damage, they hit on fours. They're not regular archers, right? They hit on fours with thunderous charge one. So like if you give me a flank and I can get one of these guys or both of these guys, you know, you're like you're done. That's especially with the vicious aura from the from the uh, hero. I'll agree the hero's kind of attacks for the formation, though. It's it's kind of just the vicious aura, right? Yeah, it's 30, 30, 30 points on top of the cost of the units, even though the, yes, right. The two the two trapper units did get five points cheaper. I actually like the fact though that you have thunder's charge as an option now because if you just want to leave them in the woods and you just want to keep backing them up and minus two to hit, minus two to hit, minus exactly. two to hit. Well, then you don't need you're not you don't need the thunder's charge. And save yourself the 10 points in the formation. Completely agree, Rob. And I, I after listening to uh, the old uh, Forces of Nature review with um, Jeff talking about doing that with the ensnares, that's what I did a couple times at Memphis where I just, I'm like, I don't really want to counterattack because without the Thunderous Charge, I don't hit very hard. So I'm just going to back up. You're going to take probably one less damage than I am charging me. And then, and then we'll just rinse and repeat. We should also mention this comes with a tribal tractor. He's exactly the same. You know, speed six, melee four, range four, defense four, you know, four attacks, 10, 12 nerve, which up is upgraded uh, because of two, uh, 11, 13. And he's individual inspiring pathfinder scout and stealthy, which is so you're not going to want to shoot this guy. Uh, short bows and, and he's got piercing one uh, and he has the saber tooth hunting cat option. <laughs> you're not taking it on him. <laughs> but, but i'll tell you that guy with ensnare is is sneaky good he's kind of like a like a thule mythican almost like oh yeah he's got ensnare and he can plink off a wound like yeah he's fun and he can be really good with like if you have an extra five points if you're taking him, putting fire oil on him or you know something to guarantee some extra wounds um using this formation on the tabletop 
I've found I've been at a disadvantage because it can be very obvious knowing where they're going to go. Like, oh, there's a forest that's six to eight inches off the middle line, off my deployment zone. That's clearly where this formation is going to go. But it kind of hurts us because if we want to um, reform in such a way that we can shoot new targets, all of a sudden we're minus one to hit because we don't have steady aim. So we're at that. And then the cover bonus or the cover uh, deficit as well. So I find like when I'm playing few uh, forests are few and far between and they're important. And I need to kind of base my battle plan off of when I can be in cover because a lot of things are squishy. So to have a bunch of um, ranged five infantry, like taking up a a forest and your opponent will clearly know that's where they're going to go. It can be used against you like knowing, okay, they'll be there. And they don't really do enough damage, so they can kind of be ignored until the end of the game, as long as you stay out of their charge range, which is easy to do because they're only speed six. So we will answer Justin's question. He says, does Herd get a new formation? No. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and he's of the opinion and this one's definitely bad. I, I think I, I would agree with what Chase said in that this is not the drink out formation and the elves that everybody's going to take. It is situational. I think it's, it's unique. Now that it's a slightly discounted, uh, you might try it out, and there may be a way to make this work. Not only slightly discounted, but the units are slightly better, right, with raising their attack. Yeah, the extra attacks, yeah. Not only are you not paying for the Thunderous Charge, now you've got two more extra attacks um, on both the troop and the regiment. So, yeah. And I love what Chase said. Like, the the rules committee who who wrote, like, this formation, like, kudos for creating, like, taking a unit that's bad and trying something new and making it dynamic and giving them a unique rule and expanding the game. Like I love that effort and I love what they tried. Um, I would just like to see a little more because as Justin puts like there, what this is one of the worst formations that you can take. And there's so many auto include formations that, you know, I think I'd be okay with, all right, them a lot more and put them up to the, uh, the same level. And I love the Ungor Raider models. They're my favorite models of any line ever. I really want to use them on the tabletop. <laughs> well, I think that I think the difficulty with the formation is it the, the formation does exactly what Chase said. You're taking a, a unit that almost nobody would take in the army, and you're making it you're making even competitive players think about taking it. So you're accomplishing something right there. And then when you're comparing it to those other formations, most of those other formations that we consider like these are auto includes. The reason they're auto includes are because you're taking something that's probably already a good thing in the army anyway, and then you're making it even better. Whereas this is taking something you probably wouldn't take and you're making us think about taking it. Yeah, I think that's why it's not the auto include, but it's I think it's a, a pretty good formation. I, I talked about my my records at tournaments, so please don't listen to me if you're looking to be good at those. <laughs> listen, listen to these guys, but I'll say I don't think I've ever not had fun taking this formation. The the funny situations that can happen where someone's like, "Wait, I just I charged your archers. Why are they not dead?" Plus, it's cool that you're 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 able to cause them damage, and you're doing the whole trick of, "Well, I'm just going to back up an inch and yeah, penalize you again," and I'm still causing damage probably as much as you'd cause if you're attacking anyway. <laughs> well, and that and that's something that I've I've had happen a couple of times where they're causing as much damage to themselves as they're causing to me with that minus 2. Now those that's not going to be your like alpha strike units or anything. If somebody's right. hitting this with an alpha strike unit, then I'm already winning, right? But, right. And even an alpha strike unit hitting these guys in the forest is not a guarantee to take them out. 
minus two is a big deal. Yeah. It is. Well, let's get into the cavalry. Uh, we'll start with Centaur Brace Riders. They are 100% exactly the same. You know, um, they are what they are. I mean, they, they you know, they're great. They're a great cavalry unit, right? I mean, speed eight, Malay three plus, defense four, and they come in a troop regiment horde. Six, 12, 24 attacks, and 11, 13, 14, 16, and 21, 23 nerve, and 105, 160, and 270 in the horde. And crushing strength one, Pathfinder, Thunderous Charge one. Talk to me about this. I mean, I see a lot of centaurs uh, around, and a lot of times they are the strider variety. I mean... I really like them. I like them in the regiments. Um, I'll take a horde if I'm feeling kind of goofy sometimes. But that's um, spicy right there. A horde. <laughs> yeah, I took. I did one at the uh, Kings of Memphis. We did the uh, three versus three game that on Friday night, uh, and so my army list was. I brought a horde of centaurs, um, and so that was my my kind of keystone unit for that. And it was it was pretty fun. But did you bring things black stuff too? Uh, I did not. Oh. I did not. <laughs> We're limited to a thousand points, so I don't want to spend oh. 160 on a <laughs> yeah, glorified yeah. centaur hero. Um, but yeah, 160 points for the regiment to me for 14 16 defense four unit. I mean, they're just speed eight, but they're melee three, crush strength one, uh, thunder's charge one, pathfinder. I think it's just a super efficient price for that for what you're getting. I mean, in terms of knights, the, the big distinction is their defense four versus defense five, but they have pathfinder and crushing strength one, thunder one. So a normal knight unit may, may be more defensive, but you can get through that difficult terrain. And when you're counterplay, you you have crushing strength one, whereas the knights are nothing, right? So well, we also have twelve attacks versus their sixteen. Is a- I was going to say fewer attacks, but also cheaper. This is definitely an example of a time where the army wide special rule, not upgrade, um, synergizes really well with a specific unit, and that is having pathfinder on a cavalry unit, because um, oftentimes you know you're going to be hindered. Um, and that's the way that you would counter a traditional knight. But with the brace striders, Pathfinder, it's really good on them. Speed eight lets them project threats. You can't ignore them in a flank. I love them in a regiment. And it's like, why would you ever take Hunters of the Wild if you have 20 more points? Take a uh, regiment of brace striders because they can project threat. Um, they're not terribly resilient, much like the rest of the army. Um, but in the horde, they are bruisers. 24 attacks on threes. Um, and with that giant base size, you're projecting good, um, good like half of the board with the uh, wild charge plus one aura, which everyone's going to take. Um, highly recommend looking at them in hordes uh, because they give um, not only a lot of unlocks, but a lot of threat projection too. And what magical artifact are you guys taking on these? The regiments, I, I only do the five point items. Um, just cause they don't have a lot of attacks. I don't want to spend money on like elite or something for 12 attacks. I've given them brutal. Um, if I've had an extra 10 points, like on the charge and uh, just that extra guaranteed wound to kind of tip the, uh, the dice in your favor so they don't get counter charged. But if I'm running the horde, I'll do like haste. So bring them up to speed nine or I'll do, um, uh, fury or headstrong item on there. Uh, just to make sure that that many points isn't being wasted with a waiver. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish they had a frenzied otter. Uh, I typically run my regiments naked, and um, I these are the best unlocks in our list, in my opinion. Let's talk about Centaur Bray Hunters, because I think they got a nice little upgrade, uh, and and I think they're a little better at Oh, I think they're. I think they're. they're uh, you're going to see more of them on the table. So, Centaur Bray Hunters are the shooting option of Centaurs. And they are still speed eight, Malay four plus. But now instead of range five, they're range four. 
So that's pretty good. Uh, they're still defense three, uh, and their attacks went up seven and 14 for the regiment. They're still unit strength one and two and nerve 11, 13 and 14, 16. Uh, this is the one thing though. They did get more expensive. Uh, they went up by 15 points, uh, for the regiment and, and, and for the, uh, excuse me, they went up by 15 points for the troop and for the regiment. So instead of 105, 165, now they're 120 and 180. But at 180 points, you've got 14 attacks. I mean, they're almost like scorch wings. Almost, right? I know they don't fly, but they are speed eight. Uh, they're one pip of defense less than the scorch wings, but you still have 18 inches. You have steady aim. These are nimble, just like the score. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like a discount scorch wing, but I, I, I'm curious, you know, if you guys weren't using them before, are these changes changing your mind? You, you had me until you raised the points. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I wasn't using them before, so let's make them slightly better and slightly more expensive. So it's right back into kind of the range where I probably won't use them again, uh, or still. Uh, I, it's get, getting that range four with nimble, right? So you're you're running around without penalty. That's great. Um, same as the scorch wings, like you said, Rob. Um, the po- the number of attacks are now exactly the same as the scorch wings, um, thunderous charge same as the scorch scorch wings pathfinder blah 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 you go on and on, basically it's identical but it's you're you're not as fast, um, and speed I think I, in general I'd just rather pay that little bit more for the extra speed if, if well that's not just the, the speed but you're getting melee three instead of melee four Correct. like the same so you're also getting defense four instead of defense three like the so it's like yes. For me, unless I absolutely can't find the points and I want to take this kind of unit, I, I, I'm not taking them still. Well, we do have the rules committee on, so I want to know if this is a conspiracy because Scorchwing Hordes went up by 15 points. Mm-hmm. Bray Hunters went up by 15 points. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really paying for that additional range more so than anything. Plus extra attacks. I mean, that that's going to cost extra. You don't You don't get discounts for getting better at shooting. Well, I'm sure Keith's going to do the math, right? I mean, you've got two extra attacks on the regiment, and you're hitting on fours instead of fives. So I've used the regiment before in kind of like a pseudo shooting block with a um, the centaur chieftain and sometimes scorch wings. And the thing that will catch opponents off guard is that they still hit on fours and they're nimble, so you'll get a lot more flanks with them, and they can contribute both in combat and also in the the range phase. To go from five to four is huge because the deterrent was like, oftentimes you're hitting on sixes. Um, But now that you're hitting on fours, you have much more reliable shooting. You have extra attacks, both in ranged and in melee. I'm looking forward to fielding these and trying some, uh, some lists with them back in because I think that they can contribute in both phases and give a competitive unlock at 180 points. And as an additional bonus, you won't get as much of your opponent's eye rolls by putting a lot of scorchings on the table. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a win right there. This could be an alternative to some of the scorch wings, right? Like, the, you know, because yeah. these are 35 points less than the, the horde of scorch wings now. They do have the tracker keyword. So if you are taking that uh, formation, you can give them vicious if you line it up and play your cards right. They are the only other unit besides what's in the formation that has the tracker keyword. Well, I think it's time for Chris to take us into the wild Gur Panthers, which are regular. So take it away, Chris. 
I still, as I mentioned before, I still like using this unit. Uh, it's it's a cav unit, so same size, uh, base size as those harpies. Also speed 10, melee 4, defense 3. Uh, the troops are, uh, you know, unit strength 1, 6 attacks, 9, 11, nerve for 85 points. The regiment does unit strength 3, 12 attacks, 12, 14, nerve, and 130 points. I think I've only tried the regiment once, and that was many years ago. Um, I take these in troops. But they have nimble, pathfinder, and vicious for melee. As I mentioned, I like I like having a unit that has the ability to hold on to its nimble uh, when it's backing up and getting out of the way and things. But in in general, uh, I think a lot of herd players lean the harpies uh, for just five more points. Yeah, this is really the poster child for internal balance within a list. It's that five points between eighty five to ninety. You get fly. You get plus two attacks. I mean, that's a really good five points right there. I, I think this is probably the most redundant unit in the game. Like five, like you just said, five points for for those two increase is is huge. I feel like. I mean, that's just it's yeah. I have written in my notes here. I have why four <laughs> question marks. <laughs> in the previous edition, this there was a ten point difference between these two units, right? Um, they were called beast packs before. Uh, and and then the harpies and that ten points did mm. make a difference when you're taking three of them. Suddenly, there's there's a thirty point difference in your list that you can use elsewhere, and that can be a big change to your list elsewhere. But with only a five point difference, it it is hard to it's harder to justify. Yeah, I would either bump them up five points, give them thunderous charge one, or bring them down five points so it's more of a a selection, right, or more of a choice. Between them and harpies, so I will say I was I was sitting on the rules committee at at the time this was happening. <laughs> that addition change, and we we did our play testing in blocks. So this is maybe I'm going to divulge too much, but but I, I I don't care anymore. They can't kick me off the rules committee or anything. Um, I'm not on there anymore. No. Um, so we we were doing our, our play testing in blocks, and we first had the Gur Panthers. In, an, in other lists <laughs> that we were first playtesting, and it felt fine. Uh, and then when it came to the next block that had the herd, and suddenly it wasn't beast packs anymore, it was Gur Panthers, and here's here they are at 85 points, and the Harpies at 90. Um, we had some conversations about that, whether, whether or not to actually even raise the Harpies up or just kind of leave them where they were at. Um, and did we decide to, to leave them where they were at? So that was one of the reasons that it just kind of became a smaller gap than before. I think it wouldn't have had that, that same gap if we would have had all of the lists laid out in front of us to play test all at the same time. Don't worry, Harpies, and don't worry, Gur Panthers, because there's yet another worse chaff unit than either <laughs> of them. So, Yeah, here it comes, Woodland Critters. <laughs> <laughs> comes the woodland critters because if you really don't want to cover your bases take a swarm when you have two perfectly good cavalry 125 bases but anyway they come in regiment and horde they have fly nimble pathfinder um so they hit worse than the uh gur panthers or the harpies they're only speed six defense two without the possibility of like that cool bark skin and snare combo that the trident realms get or um, no shooting attacks like Ember Sprites. So uh, 
I will echo Chase when I just say why question mark question mark exclamation. These are there for theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say, unless you're planning, on, unless you just happen to have like them from maybe a forces of nature army, I'm not certain why you would. What I'm like, you can't even say that it's so Manta can sell models either, right? It's like they don't, they don't do with critters. So, but if you want to take the horde and do like hammer measured force kind of goofy stuff, maybe like if you don't care about you know being good, but if if you're looking at the regiment, I just look at that and go. 10 points and they do everything better. This is one of the worst units in the list and one that could be taken out. And I I don't think most people would even notice if, if they were gone, like (laughs) no, why? (laughs) Well, let's, let's ask Felix. What's the plan here, buddy? Yeah. Felix. Why'd you do this? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know what? Make them suffer. Uh, (laughs) They have not suffered enough. I mean, that's a really good question. I'm, yeah, wish I could tell you when you've got three chaff options and one is clearly, you know, you, know, you have like A and then you have one, you have one and then one A is kind of, they're pretty much, it's kind of a, almost flavor to taste, but this one is just, yeah. And I think it's only because it's a, it's a theme list of forces of nature that's even in this particular list. So if you dropped it, we probably wouldn't miss it. Yeah. You probably drop it for the nature and probably not be able to notice either, but you know, Hey, I've actually just hacked into my companion app and just deleted this out. So I don't have to look at it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I could see the, <laughs> I can see the woodland critters. They could be a, a unit worth taking. If you just gave them a blank profile and then a ton of upgrade options, um, so they could be flavorful, could be fun, you know, based on the kind of critters that you would put in the swarm. You could give them different rules, fly versus stealthy versus whatever, and have them be like a completely customizable unit. But the way they are now, they're not worth taking. Have them start out like orklings almost, and then just slap whatever upgrades you want on there. Exactly. And then you can base them based on uh, what upgrades you've taken and model them like that. We're up to very iconic unit. We have the person on the show that created the unit and is the reason why this unit exists. So, Chris, take it away. Maybe start with a little history, Han. Stampedes, Minotaur Chariots, all, you know, give us, give the the newer player a background on this unit and then take us into this unit that you are a, uh, you you, you demonstrate master class. (laughs) (laughs) Master class level play with these guys. So there were a number of units that, you know, changed when the addition happened. And the goal was, overall with a kind of a broad stroke for the rules committee was to try to allow everyone to keep using the same army or the same footprints that they had used before. Right. So that was, that was kind of the goal. Uh, But the stampede was going away that had come down from the mothership. And what were we going to replace that stampede footprint with? And uh, Dan King and I were talking and, and one day we, we, um, I just, I proposed I proposed minotaurs riding in chariots. I think Dan saw it as minotaurs pulling chariots. And uh, ultimately, this um, this is what was kind of landed on. And I do like them. I like them a lot. I like to use them. Um, I use the, the regiment with the stampede upgrade, which is, you know, a, a living legend uh, unit upgrade. So you have only one of those can be used. That, that adds back in that Strider and Pathfinder that you had on the, the Stampede in the previous edition. Um, but I use the Horde as well uh, in my list. And, and when, I, when we get to talking about lists, I can, I can go into that more. Um, and I also use the, 
the the uh, hero version version of this. So I I literally put three chariot units in most of my armies, if not all of my armies, recently, um, and and I love them. They have uh, speed seven, uh, melee three, defense five. That's one of the things I love most about them because we have such a shortage of defense five uh, units that have any speed whatsoever in this army. They come in uh, the troops, regiments, and hordes. I will say I was disappointed when we did it. We did not get the the one size up uh, for a legion of these guys uh, because I have a a, a huge mastodon um, you know unit that was uh, uh, from the previous edition. We could use. Uh, that chariot horde was on the three wide, two deep base, and you could put a big mastodon on it and stuff like that. And we can't use that anymore, so it's just sitting on my shelf. Became the legion, right? Yes, exactly. That became the legion. Uh, but anyway, uh, the troop is uh, unit strength one, ten attacks, thirteen, fifteen defense for one hundred and seventy points. Uh, the regiments, unit strength two, fifteen attacks, fifteen, seventeen nerve uh, for two hundred and ten points. And the horde is unit strength three, 20 attacks, 17, 19 defense uh, for 265 points. These guys have crushing strength one, fury, which I love on a defense five unit like that, uh, thunderous charge two, and wild charge D3 to go along with that speed seven. And then, as I mentioned, um, the one one regiment in your army can take the, up, the stampede upgrade uh, to get strider and pathfinder. On top of that, as well as increasing its nerve uh, by one. So it goes from 1517 to 1618, and that's for 30 points. I tend to, to have a nice hard center to my list then with the defense five units and high nerve that have a, a very long reach. Chariots, they don't care about Slayer. They don't care about Rampage. Yep. They care about Phalanx in the sense that you lose the TC. But you don't lose the, you know, you're not minus one to hit. So right. they're kind of a unique unit that gets some advantages. They do. But it's also really embarrassing to take a stampede and with only 15 attacks bounce off a regiment of scarecrows. <laughs> <laughs> I think in my, uh, the herd army review on Dash 28, I think I likened it to the Matrix Resurrection or the live action Dragon Ball Z reboot. Like, Oh man, you just shake your head slowly. Like this, the once feared stampede. Now, when I take the stampede, and I love it for the the nerve and the smaller um, footprint, um, I always take it with either a lead or sharpness because you only have fifteen attacks. So you really need to make sure that those fifteen attacks on threes are are getting the job done right, are landing the hit because you only have fifteen attacks. Which I don't think is particularly thematic for the stampede i would love to see a couple more points for the upgrade and then at least having them be 20 attacks or something something that could reliably kill another regiment for a stampede but just with the volume it's it's tough yeah i will say i i do not take this unit without going elite on them i don't take vicious just because typically they're all already wounding on twos and i like to to kind of maximize the hits and i and i'll do 13 wounds with this unit on a pretty regular basis with those 15 attacks because of that. Um, uh, not all the time, but it just seems like that pops up a lot. And then I, but I, I subscribe to, to go big or go home when I, when I'm taking my core units like that, that I want to pack a lot of punch. So I'll, I'll put the brew of sharpness on my horde. So now I've got, you know, a 20 attack unit hitting on twos. And that always scares people when it's crush one thunder two, hitting on twos with 20 attacks. So, um, 
there's a lot of units in the game. You're hitting on twos, wounding on twos with 20 attacks, and that's pretty scary. So up until now, I haven't had any models for these. This is the reason I haven't taken them. I've uh, been really excited. I got a buddy of mine, Joseph, to print me off some um, one-page rules. They have these like really bulky armored centaur guys on there, and so I just had him blow them up to where they'll fit pretty comfortably on a chariot-sized base. And of course, I asked for five, and I think he printed me out like nine. So I completely changed my list I'm taking to Forge because I need to use all these extra, you know, models of course i can't just let them go to waste you'd be the only only miniature wargamer too that left models on their shelves <laughs> <laughs> shout out to joseph though down in new orleans uh it's been a while since i've caught up with him uh, is he still playing the empire of dust uh he just bought i think every twilight kin anything that they have to offer i'm not a sure. bad move the models are great no. and the army is fun I'm, I'm looking forward to facing them on the table as I kind of mentioned earlier, I'm making a Mantic herd army. I think I mentioned that. Um, what I'm doing for this unit is I'm I'm taking uh, frost fangs and snow trolls, and I'm sculpting up big centaur guys out of those. So I've got the uh, the I'm I'm using the frost fang head on the snow troll upper torso as well um, to give it even a more scary horned look, minotaur like look. Um, and I've done one of those so far. I think it turned out pretty well. I, I shared it in that thread with, as people were, were asking about what would you use for the chariots. So it looks epic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'd also recommend the, uh, GW dragon ogre models. One of their better sculpts, mm-hmm. um, the plastics, uh, they fill the base nicely and give like a stampede chariot type. Um, that's what I use for mine. The bull centaurs from forge world are also pretty cool. Oh yeah. If you can find them, cause I don't think they, I'm pretty sure they don't make them anymore, but. And that's that's probably my only weird part about this unit. I feel like, which no offense to Chris in any way, uh, it just it for for the uh, beastmen. I think it made sense, right? They're they're pulling being pulled by other beasts and stuff because they're evil and you know just want to kill everything. But for the herd, because they're more neutral and everything, uh, it seems weird to have your animalistic humanoid being pulled by an animal on a vehicle of some kind right it's like goofy being a dog and still owning pluto as a dog yes you know? it's like yeah what's yeah. going on here i found when i've taken the the horde too that not having that native pathfinder the the movement and the uh the charge you got to be careful not to clip forests because hitting um, on fours swings it yeah the horde size chariot unit is hard to use in every in every yes. army, right? just, it's just a weird size. Which is which is why I'm copping out and I'm bringing Boots of Striding on it because I feel like <laughs> if, if you're bringing that unit, it has to make that first good charge to be worth it. So hopefully, Matthew, we answered your question. Uh, Chase kind of made made his thoughts known on, you know, is it Minotaurs riding other monsters, being pulled by monsters? The you know, So hopefully we uh, gave you some clarity to that question. The answer is yes to that question. So. <laughs> it's unheard of. It's unheard by. No. I have a I have a rather large uh, Minotaur model that's wielding a chariot as a club that people tend to like. Uh, so there you go. It's it's just a big monster beating you over the head with a chariot. There's your chariot unit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the large infantry. I got to ask guys, if you're playing herd, why in the world would you ever take forest shamblers or earth elementals? That doesn't feel herd like. I'm thinking it's just because it's a theme list of forces of nature, and those are just units yeah. within forces of nature. So it's just kind of a, a holdover. Despite the fact it's not really thematic. As a general direction for Mantic, I would love to see, you know, less of the elementals and the uh, the forest because that's kind of the forces of nature, right? They're the 
they're the space marines we're the uh imperial guard um they have the magic and the you know the secret enclave of druids and the constructs and the elementals and like these are the beasts these are the creatures these are the uh the baseline infantry that being said i think they're a fantastic addition to our army because the regiment of four shambler shamblers is one of the best value units of the game and they scout so you can you can press up with them. You can take your beasts of nature and park them behind them. So you can uh, threaten different parts and move them up as like a moving screen. Um, they're really good for holding. They're resilient. They're unit strength too. So you can scout onto something and then, um, you know, a token and maybe not have your um, opponent able to like burn and salt of the earth. I love them. I think that they're, they, they give a lot. And when you compare the exact same points to like a, uh, regiment of tribal trappers or you know they're 20 points cheaper than the uh regiment of the um well there's the wild hunters um you know i would take these all the time they are also our cheapest unlock in a horde so if you are looking for an extra horde unlock because we have great monsters and great heroes in a pinch like this is the one to take and then we're the one of two armies now. Now, thanks to the last pack, they can take the Wilt Father. So, if you want to take the Wilt Father and have him scout up with something that unlocks and presents like a you can't ignore me little combat group, these are your guys. The the few times I've looked at them, it's when I'm on companion messing around and I'm like, what would a list look like if I did eighteen hundred points of scout? And then, uh, you know, I look at, but as far as like building a true herd army, I don't usually look at them too much. I will say when, when the addition changed and, and these guys first became available to us, it was the direction my mind first went. Like, do I completely change my thought process on how I'm going to use the herd? And of course, def- a defense six wall is very appealing when you have so many units that are good at flanking <laughs> um and so if if you can if you can lock down a center and make people bounce off from it and then flank it with all the the tools and toys we have it can be really fun but it's a point sink right like you you are investing so many points into doing that because it's not only those units but you're backing them up with the the druids and and things like that with the uh surge and stuff so it's it's tough to to get all the other toys that we really want to that are drawing us to the herd when you go this direction well it seems like your army is relatively fast all things considered and these are kind of an outlier i mean the scout can get you around that but the fact that they are shambling both the four shamblers and the earth elementals trying to keep them up they're either if you're using them as a screen well then they're potentially slowing you down i don't know i I can see situationally there's there's definitely as Keith made Keith made the case where you would use them, and I, I think the the forest shamblers work better for us than the earth elementals are because one hundred percent yeah it means that we're not held behind that speed five line yeah we can't have our you know half our army engaged and then turns five and six like all right you know your opponent comes and deals with the earth elementals who have been struggling to catch up and with what Chris said. Um, it's very easy for our Glade Walker Druid to get it like expensive and want to put all the toys on him, him or her. But the, um, the Earth Elementals can be wonderful. They just require a lot of support and they can fall behind uh, easily. So I'm more inclined to take four Shamblers than I am Earth Elementals. Well, let's talk about some large infantry that are herd. 
Uh, let's start with the Guardian Brutes. And Felix, take us through the Guardian Brutes, because I know over the years I have played your Guardian Brutes. Uh, yeah, uh, that was the, uh, I guess, the older Guardian Brutes. These are the new, some might say improved Guardian Brutes. So uh, Guardian Brutes are large infantry. Uh, they're speed six, they melee four, defense four. Uh, within the red, they come in regiments and hordes. Their unit strength two and three. They've got a corresponding 15 and 30 attacks, 12, 14, and 15, 17 nerve. And they come in 135 and 225 points. So they got brutal, crushing one, fury, pathfinder, and thunder one. Also have the beast and herd keywords. So they kind of, to me, compare very similar to like Berserker Braves of the Ogres, right? Um, but maybe a little better because they have things like Pathfinder, right? And they have not just Crushing One, but a TC One as well. So I, I don't know. Um, are you guys, are any of you guys taking those? I mean, this is the Owl Bear. This is like, if I'm going to run Minotaur, that's just where I would, right? I, th- these are the, the units that I would run. I love them. I absolutely love them. I brought two hordes to uh, to Memphis last year. Um, and and they, they're a blast. It's one of those units where, again, people don't know the herd that well. And the first time you say, oh, I got 30 dice with, you know, crush one thunder. They're just like, holy crap. I think of them as like tyrant ish kind of because, right, they got those 30 attacks. 30 attacks on one. Yeah. It's like we don't have the wild charge and we're not fearless, but we do have fury and we have pathfinder to kind of help make up for that. But yeah, the brew of sharpness on a horde is just not fair. Yeah, it's disgusting. Tyrants or Frost Fangs or any of those you know units that have thirty attacks. It's yeah, you put a brew sharpness on that. It's it's a discount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say you you know before they made the adjustment when these guys were speed seven, it was this was the replacement for the Stampede. It hit slightly less hard because it didn't have the thunder three <laughs> um, that the Stampede did, <laughs> um, but this was that Stampede with you know speed seven. 30 attacks hitting on fours and I liked them, but it, when the nerve is at 15, 17, instead of what we were used to with that stampede of, I can't remember now if it was at 18.2 and then it went to 1820. Yeah. 1822. And then went to 1820. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there's just a, there's just enough of a difference for that, for a defense four unit where 15, 17 nerve scares me. Uh, because it feels like you don't have to do a whole lot to this unit to waver it. Um, whereas that unit before, I didn't have to worry about the plink shooting wavering my unit. Um, and so that I, I just haven't taken them. Now they've they've dropped them into a place where their speed six gave them Pathfinder, right? Because that was the shift um, that they can run around in the for- in the woods now. Um, and I think they have a place in our list now. Um, because you run these guys into, into a woods, um, they're very scary charging out of a forest and they're not easy to plink off because of that, that, uh, having Pathfinder, they can run in there for without penalty and, and they have that cover. So I don't know. I think, I think they do have a nice place in the list. I just tend to, I haven't used them because I'm using my chariots. Yeah. I could see them as a really good compliment. If you're going to take tribal spears and an infantry based list with longhorns, these are your hammers, right? If you're going to make yes. that build, like you want to go pure herd um, with the rallying, with 17, 19 nerve on that would be pretty nice. That phalanx and hordes of tribal spears. Yeah. Yep. And then you take the guardian brute hordes as like your muscle and your punch. That's where this list is. Um, and they would fit really well in that. If you're going to go for a pure alpha strike list, they can get left behind pretty easily with speed six. And 
unfortunately they also run into the problem where like there's just not enough forests um correct <laughs> you want everything out of forest your first two turns and they're still defense four exactly blade stalkers still do damage you guys just need to go play at uh at kings of memphis and uh rob will bring the river table out <laughs> yeah i have a river table where there's a complete piece of difficult train running down the complete length of the table six nice. feet across yeah it's it's awesome uh but no with these guys I was just going to say, with these guys, you really got to deliver them. You got to have something in front of them to block. You got to have chaff, but like harpies behind them to, to potentially, you know, block something else. I mean, it's it's a lot of points in supporting them. Well, John Paul, I think we answered your question about building a list around Guardian Brutes. So uh, hopefully that took care of that. What they need is Boomer Chariots. Something like that, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Every <laughs> army needs Boomer Chariots, but... Something to get stealthy would be really nice. Because <laughs> Veil of Shadows, like, and you're not even guaranteed to get first turn, and Veil of Shadows has to go off, and it's 25 points. It needs a unit that just has a stealthy aura, which I would love to see the Tribal Tracker have. I was just going to say that, Keith. Ah, that would be amazing. Not the one in the formation. In that formation, the Tribal Tracker, getting that for that formation, I think I would have to find a way to get in my list. Yeah, it would just combo so well and be thematic and Yep. Yep. He'd have the smoke smoke bombs or something like that that he's he's letting off and yeah, that'd be sweet. Call that Taco Tuesday, I think. Call that love song. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Lycan. You know, that's the the last of the four large infantry units that are in this army, and it is speed nine, Malay three plus, four plus defense, regimen and horde, unit strength two and three, attacks nine and eighteen. 12, 14, or 15, 17 nerve, but they got cheaper. Love that. They are now 140 and 235. I'm like, okay, you had Crushing Strength 1, Nimble, Pathfinder, Regeneration 5+. plus. The Horde is 20 points cheaper, guys. And I was already taking a Horde. I, I love seeing this. Yeah. This is a great change. <laughs> it's a necessary one, too, because the, the amount of quality shooting and spells and everything has gone up, whereas their points have stayed at 255, which was... Really pricey for a defense four unit with only 15, 17 nerve. Like a lot of games, they can just be taken out in one volley of shooting really easily. Man, this should have gave them the herd keyword. Yeah. <laughs> just so. Yeah. I mean, this has to do with more of the general, you can almost call this a universal. Uh, a lot of your non flying, nimble, large infantry units are getting cheaper. Uh, with this clash pack. So read with that what you will, Varanger players and, and stuff like that, but in undead players and, you know, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of why they're, that's why they got cheaper. It's because that was one unit type. You just don't see that often. Well, I will say I, I run a horde of these guys with brew of strength and they paired up with moon Fang and uh, a harpy unit to, you know, give them cover um, pretty much takes a flank. Think about all these things you had to add to them to make them. No, I get it. I get it. It gets pretty expensive after a while. So dropping the points by, you know, 20 really helped. Oh, I I think it was needed. I felt like I felt like I was paying a premium for that unit, but I did like what it did in the list. Um, But but yeah, I I think this was a a good change to this unit. I'm not just saying that because like, oh, yeah, I get to fit more stuff in my army but i think it was it puts them right in line with what they feel like they should cost on the table but it is a good unit right because you always felt you had to like add something to these units i mean oh yeah i've never taken them without dwarven ale staying stone chalice of wrath just 
Because when you don't take it, you get wavered, you know, or if you bounce, they're dead. Yeah. So, you know, at least at this point, you're still taking those items, but it's you're not as you're not taking as much of a points chunk out of your army to, to do. Yeah. And with the changes right. to the withdraw corkscrew, like these were the main culprits that when you could pull off a corkscrew charge, you were thinking and heard like it's going to be lichens. Um, so now that that's minus one or no longer allowed points decrease makes sense because that was their their big gambit and they don't last very long and just front charges and counter charges you just gotta roll five plus on the regen it's it's, it's true I, I i will say i will say they grind better against many flanks than people give them credit for because of that regen um it's it i don't know how many times i've expected them to die they don't die and then you just have a nice roll of regen you're like oh my gosh they're they're not really in danger of, of being lost in, as they're grinding here. So, no, I, I like this unit a lot, and I, I like the points where they're sitting at. I will say I was never even tempted to take a regiment at 155. 140 is is getting closer to a number I'd be willing to take a regiment. Let's talk about large cavalry. Uh, you guys do have access, to, or the herd does have access to Scorch Wings. Uh, the big change for the Boogeyman unit is a regiment is now 130 up from 120, and the horde is 215 up from 200. My, my question to you guys, though, is the herd is not the army you, you would want to spam scorch wings in. Your, your unlocks are more expensive. They're maybe not as efficient. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're taking eight, well, if you're taking seven hordes now of scorch wings, you're, you're doing it in a different army, right? Or am I wrong on that? I will say it can be pretty darn good in the herd if you want to take like a couple of hordes of centaurs and spam those scorch wing hordes. And then you have, one of the best supporting heroes in in the entire game with the flying chieftain running around with the horn and now you have spe- you know speed 21 charging scorchwing hordes i think that can be pretty dangerous uh i personally haven't used it yeah i think this change is fair i think you bring up a really good point too with the um the utility of the great chieftain who always comes with wings of the honey mace and is built that way um and this is what scorchwing should have been I'm glad that they don't unlock. I'm sad because I have one of them that I've used. And I've only ever had one. Um, so to see so many of them take it at once that necessitated this points increase, it's fair. It was needed. They're a really good unit that do a little bit of everything, but you'd be you'd have better luck taking them alongside uh, greater air elementals or um, with more efficient shooting because we only have raised riders. Yeah, I mean, either the enforcers of nature or, or or even the salamanders, you you can do a little bit more, you know. Sure, but I will say I I like taking a a regiment um, for a, a height four chaff piece. It's 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 surprising how many times that comes in handy. <laughs> um, so it, going up ten points is not a real big deal when my lichens went down twenty. So it's like oh, it all still fits. This is no big deal. Um, but I was not one of the the Scorchwing spammers out there, but I really liked them as a a utility chaff piece that did a little more than chaff in general. But that height advantage was was a big thing for me. Some of the uh, the terrain packs too, you know, you put one of these and you put them on a hill. Sometimes you can see over buildings, depending on the local GT and what they're using, and it has caught people off guard. Um, and myself, I'm like, oh wait, I can actually see over that, right? Because I'm height seven on the hill. I've used mostly Helm of Confidence or like Staying Stone on them. And if there's points, um, they also benefit from uh, Vicious or Elite. 
Well, let's keep rolling. I mean, we're into the monsters. Keith, go ahead. Tell us about this nasty, nasty piece of nature. <laughs> so this is the beast of nature. Um, it has speed seven, melee three, defense five. However, it's better to just read it as it has speed 10 and fly, melee three plus, defense five with seven attacks, 15, 17 nerve. Um, crossing strength two, nimble, pathfinder, and vicious. Um, you can choose from a bunch of upgrades. The ranged attack, Noxious Mist, 12 attacks. Range 12, 10 attacks. Range 4, um, 12 inches. Steady aim for 15 points. Upgrade with wings, increasing speed to 10 and getting fly, which you'll always do for 30. And then increase uh, attacks to 7 for 15. Um, which you'll also always do. Which you'll also always do. So (laughs) it is a 205-point monster with fly, 7 attacks, and vicious. These are wonderful. This is one of the best units in the game and definitely in the list. Um, you can't ignore them because they have really good quality of attacks. They can present threat. They have that wonderful, amazing monster base so that they can hide behind things and get angles. And they're fantastic. I can't speak highly enough of the Beast of Nature. And in most lists, I'm taking two, if not three of them, um, because they're just that good and they fit with a the theme. Um, they're obnoxious to your opponent because they always get in the backfield. Um, and that vicious really tips the scale over like being able to give quality, uh, wounds to a unit. I will say, um, most people don't take that ranged attack upgrade. Um, I have been lately, uh, and you know, you'll go two, three games and never use it. And then you'll have a game where that small upgrade for 15 points wins you the game um, because you can I've I've flown into a zone like in control to capture you know a zone and been able to shoot a unit across in another zone off the table because it was wounded and hanging out there and suddenly I win the game right and it's it's uh <clears throat> it's a nice little thing to be able to do also as you're like moving up a flank and protecting your beast of nature with our chaff you can still shoot over harpies or gur panthers without penalty right because you're tall enough um and yet you're not putting yourself in harm's way you know because you're sitting right behind them so i i don't know i've i've liked that upgrade uh if push comes to shove though and the points are tight that one is typically the first thing to leave my list but i've been using it and liking it if you're taking an infantry based kind of the slower list or you're taking earth elementals having these guys on foot with that shooting attack it's pretty good i mean that's a 15 17 monster with um seven attacks for 175 points that's not bad that's a pretty good deal for speed no. seven and melee three yeah i've got i've got three flying ones painted up and, and all done and i have two um non-flying ones that are primed up ready to go that uh i'm gonna try out with that the the ranged upgrade i've always wanted to try now that brace striders are four plus maybe there is like a a tricky shooting list that you can make with herd and using three of these with the noxious mist upgrade too. Yeah. I mean, these guys were good in second edition. They're, they're good in third. I like beast of nature. Two thumbs up from Felix. Take two, put one on each flank and you're good to go. Start there. Well, let's get into the Titans. Uh, you have the Hydra and the greater earth elemental. Um, the, the big change in clash of Kings 2024 is that Titans are now unit strength two, which is a huge boon for these guys. Cause you know, when you're in strength one, 
it's a detriment. But no, now you drink two, you can beat out a troop, and there's some more options there. So uh, let's start with the Hydra. It's speed six, melee four, defense five. It's got five attacks, but there's an asterisk next to it. Uh, 16 and 18 nerve, 150 points. And he's got crushing strength two, pathfinder regeneration five plus. And then he has a rule, multiple heads. In addition to the base five attacks, the Hydra has the number of attacks additional has a number of additional attacks equal to the current points of damage. So as you're beating this guy up, he's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So are any of you guys using the Hydra? I love them. Yeah. Uh, for Christmas this last year, my brother uh, 3d printed me a giant um, Hydra model from Starcraft, a 3d print, and then got it commissioned painted from my friend and it is amazing, and it's wonderful, and I love it. Um, I can't get it to work very well on the tabletop. <laughs> the five attacks is, and hitting on fours is pretty lackluster, but it's such a beautiful – it's my favorite model right now, um, just looks-wise. So I keep putting it into lists on uh, you know random pickup games, but um, now that it's unit strength, too, I, I could see it having a lot more utility. Um, I always feel like I think it's going to do more than it does, but then I have to remind myself it's only 150 points. Just unfortunately, it's competing with the Beast of Nature for a monster slot, which is a tough sell. Oh, yeah, right, because it's monster slash titan slot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I love them. I ran two at uh, Kings of Memphis this year. Uh, I used them. I placed them directly in front of my uh, Guardian Brute Hordes, close enough together where infantry regiments or anything else bigger than that weren't going to be able to fit in there and charge them. Uh, and I just ran them up in front of them. So you had to deal with them before you got to my guardian brutes. So I had multiple games where they worked pretty good. And then I played John green in round five and he threw a ghoul regiment into each one of them and they did nothing for the entire game. And you let him win the tournament. You left the head up. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did. I was laughing. We're, we're playing our game. We're in like round five. I'm getting my just ass kicked so bad. And uh, I hear someone down the like three tables down go, Oh no, Keith won it. Keith won it. There's no way anyone can make up the point difference from him to just <laughs> <laughs> is like, hold my beer. <laughs> Watch this. Today. Yeah, at the end, Rob does um, bonus, bonus objectives for each, uh, each mission. And uh, one of them is always some way your opponent does good. You get points for. And so one of them, we were playing control in the last, uh, scenario and was i think the bonus mission was your opponent controls two of the zones and so in order for him to get max points he just ignored the fact that he had a flank on one of my hydras with one of his arch fiends and was like eh, you can have it i need i want the extra <laughs> objective yeah no i love them they're they're a lot of fun i don't ever expect them to do any damage so when they do it's just kind of a bonus but in my mind, they're just a 150-point defense 5, 16-18, regen 5 anvil that I can throw in front of something I don't really want to deal with. And hold your tokens. Yes. Yeah, that too. And as uh, Keith pointed out in the scenario episode where we talked about push, where you can only hold one token now in push, you know, uh, having a thing like a Hydra to take one of those tokens is going to be a big deal. I will say this is a perfect unit. I, I call them story units <laughs> they got good stories yeah <laughs> when you're when you're telling stories about kings of war everybody has a snake eye story right and and things and hydras are one of those ones that you hear stories about mm -hmm. like oh yeah you know i had 45 wounds on my hydra and somebody rolled you know snake eyes and 
And now here I'm coming back with all these attacks or whatever. And, you know, you just have those stories. So they're a fun, fun unit. Um, but a lot of times it's like whenever I picture them in my army, I picture them either either doing nothing or just blowing, like blowing up the game. And I'd rather something is more reliable. I would love to see Manta come out with a beast of nature, like a, a herd monster kit. Where like you could build a Hydra, you could build a like an Alpha Beast of Nature, just an upgrade box or a kit that would have different bodies and different builds for all these really cool monsters that everyone's taking. So they should start profit off of profiting off of that by releasing like a a, a box with uh, parts for models. Awesome. Well, the other Titan that we have is the Greater Earth Elemental, and I'm gonna guess here that all the things we said about earth elemental unit applies here uh because he doesn't have scout you know he's gonna shamble his way up he's he's gonna slow you down so i mean and he's competing with the piece of nature you know uh are are any of you guys have and he's 230 points so i'm just curious are any of you guys even considered taking the greater earth elemental i like him a lot i just it's like the earth elementals you have to kind of build your whole army and and characters around using that unit um, so I, I doubt I would put put one in, but a defense six dash nineteen unit with two unit strength now um, is is really <laughs> appealing. Talk about a unit to carry a push token, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I, it, it's an appealing unit, but you do have to support them so much. You want the you, you want that that hero support, and we need our heroes. Like, you know, we, we've mentioned a couple. Moonfang is a really good hero. Flax is a solid hero. The Flying Chieftain is one of the best support heroes in the game. And and you're running out of heroes pretty quick. Hero slots pretty quick for yeah. uh, your army. So Yeah. I think I'd just take the Hydra and then use the extra 80 points to try to buy more unlocks for all the other stuff I want. Yeah, I have a, a really a nice mom miniature, Greater Earth Elemental um, and Greater Earth Elemental units. And I've tried them in herd lists, but inevitably what happens is, you know, like, okay, my fast units go up. And then my slow units take forever and I don't spend enough points for shamble and the surge and all my fast stuff starts dying. And then turn five or six, I lose all my slow elements. So I haven't been able to make them work, but it's appealing, right? Unit strength two now, all of a sudden, that's a wonderful change too, by the way. I really love that Mantic um, is using unit strength more as a way to balance and taking into account scenarios rather than changing uh, points for everything. Um, I like that. What do you think about flying Titans getting it as well, Keith? I think it's also thematic. Uh, the fact that your um, unit strength one depth horror random flag guy from org ogres has the same battlefield presence as like a giant undead flying worm <laughs> never really sat well. Um, and so, yeah, if you're going to pay that amount of points for those flying titans, you should absolutely be unit strength too. But they have really good titan models for the most part, so incentivize people to take them. They've yeah. had good I monster agree. kits, which is why they should make one for the herd. I got Scud the Stud sitting right next to me. We have to pitch it as for forces of nature, Keith. Oh, that's right, for forces <laughs> of nature. <laughs> then right <laughs> that we get to use <laughs> yeah i mean every, we all take beasts of nature like that's that's three three kits right there per herd player or forces of nature player right <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, awesome. Let's get into the heroes and let's start with uh, one of the guys that's got a pretty big change is the druid. So like all of the spellcasters in the game, they all kind of went a la carte. And so the big thing is the druid now, you don't have to take heal two and you're not paying for it. So now he costs 45 points, but if you want to add heal back in, it's it's 10 points. Which is still 10 points cheaper than he was before. I was about to say, yeah, it's still... Exactly. Yes. This is a great change. It's so good. One of one of the complaints we've all had, right, is looking at goblins. And the goblin whiz casting lightning bolt three or casting alchemist curse is the same as the most expensive caster, right? Because it doesn't matter the platform. So now that you can have a la carte druids at a competitive point price of 45, this is incredible. And I really look forward to seeing other casters get this as well. Because a lot of times, like you're paying for spells that you either don't use or don't want, or special rules that like are built-in points but never come up, like Iron Resolve on a caster. It's like I get it, you hit me, I'm dead. I don't need Iron Resolve to be paying five or ten points for it. So having a forty-five point, I'll choose how I want to build it. You know, my model, my story. This is a, a great change across the board. Well done. Yeah, completely agree. And all the other options that you had before are still there. It's just a la carte. Now you don't have to pay for heal if you don't want it. Which heal too? I mean, gosh. That's not much. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you got better options for that. If you're going to cast a spell that turn, there's probably better options. Exactly. But then I think about all the times that I use the heal too with Conjurer staff. I'm like, oh, first I'm going to take it away, but I'm sure it'll come up. I'm like, oh. Really wish I had heal Which, right now as I'm like failing right. uh, checks by one. I'm like, yep. And that's something that item was just that item was just made for this character. Oh yeah, so many. Con, like he has so many low count spells that become so much better at one higher. It's just uh, yeah, like Bane Chant two with Conjurus. I mean, for twenty, uh, it's just I think he's great. Yeah, if you're gonna take anything with Shambling, I just miss the Shaman from. You know, the previous edition with heal five standard. Um, I know they're more expensive and all that, but you know, you run run the double shaman and you're sitting at heal ten, that always felt really good. <laughs> and now now you try running a couple of druids at you know, you're at heal four and you're like, eh. <laughs> well, we already talked about the tribal chacker, so Mr. Capster, it is time to take us into your Lord and Savior, the Greek great chieftain. So the Great Chieftain, which, uh, as we've talked about already, as probably one of the best support heroes in the game, um, he comes standard as a, a hero infantry, uh, speed six, melee three, defense five. He has uh, five attacks, a 12-14 nerve and for 95 points. He has crushing strength one, uh, individual, inspiring, mighty, which is very nice, pathfinder, thunderous charge one. Um, and then you can give him a bow for 15 points that is, uh, has range for saber tooth hunt, hunting cat for 10 points for uh, duelist and our favorite item horn of the great migration. Uh, you can only take this once, but uh, he gains dread and or aura wild charge one for 15 points. And most of us throw the wings of the honey maze on him to fly him around wherever we want to go. That dread and wild charge one is so good. I have played entire games where this guy never entered combat, and yet he had more influence on the game than than uh, I, I could count. You just you can sit him in one spot, give that wild charge aura to the units around him, charge them out, 
then choose to fly him somewhere else and give that wild charge order to another cluster of units to charge out. Um, you can fly him behind an enemy line and give that dread uh, to, to, to units that you're charging into. Um, he's just such a great support piece. Wild charge plus one too, so it works for your Minotaur chariots and your uh, spirit walkers. Correct. Yeah. So my my chariots, you know, they're they're wild charge D three plus one. <laughs> so and speed seven. People get really surprised when those are charging as far as they are at times. He's a, as close to an auto include as as we can get in this list. He fits the theme. He shores up a couple weaknesses like. We really, really, really need to break on the charge. So he gives dread, gives us extra wild charge, and he's also mighty. So in a pinch and in an emergency, you can use him as chaff if you need to. Put him in front of units and then but that speed 10 fly, he has the ability to influence a lot of the board. You know, all of your opponents are going to measure... 21 and a half inches back from a lot of your things just because chances are he can fly 10 or fly 20 then give six inches for his aura right well let's keep rolling we got the glade walker druid who got the same treatment as all the other spellcasters uh instead of 90 points he's now 60 uh but you have to pay for heal four if you want it uh for 30 points you lose the, the option of replacing Heal 4 with Surge 8 for free. But again, all, all the stuff we said about the Druid is here too, right? So you pick and choose what you want to do. He's, he's now 60 points, and buy what you want. And you're not handicapped. You, you're not required to buy Heal 4 if you don't want it. If you're doing the Forest Shamblers or Earth Elementals, this guy is uh, auto-include. Yes. I mean, that that Ring of Harmony is is so good. Um it's just, it gets very expensive, which is why this point, like getting rid of the heal, even though I'd be tempted to put the heal back on for 30 points, to be honest, for the heal four um, to use with the Ring of Harmony, should you want to, uh, if you're going that elemental list. But it's so good being able to cast a spell on one <laughs> unit of elementals and then turn around and cast another spell on another unit of elementals. It's so good. Just remember, because even though you think it does, the tree herder does not have the elemental keyword. Because otherwise, that would be way too good. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Can you imagine? I find most times that I would take the Druid, even with the points discount, um, better selection of spells, and the Gladewalker doesn't have Bane Chant. Um, so you can put it on for an item, but then you're losing other items that you could otherwise take on him. Um, I think that the Druid's um, allotment of spells synergizes more with what I would take. But if you want to take shamblers and earth elementals, this is this is your guy or gal. And, and we do need to point out that the Ring of Harmony now costs 30 instead of 25. Mm-hmm. Still worth it, though. Well, let's get into the Centaur Chief. Any of you guys taking this? I used to take the Centaur Chief. I have a cool model for him. I've taken him in a couple of ambush games where like, I don't have the points for something you know expensive and better. But other than that... I thought, I thought you were going to say useful. <laughs> well, that too. But yeah. The the great chieftain fills this role now. Yeah, I, I would say you know Flaxhoof is so much better uh, than the centaur chief. It's hard to take the centaur chief if you're going to take him. And we have a limited number of hero slots typically in how we build our herd lists. If you're going with that central hero, you're just going to go with Flaxhoof. And he's only fifty points more, and you get a lot for that fifty points. You know the aura thunder charge plus one for centaurs, crushing strength two. I mean, yeah, hands down. Yeah, extra. If you're going to take a centaur hero. 
just take flax off. Yeah, the Centaur Chief is an example of what used to be a really good unit, and then it stayed the same as the rest of the armies and lists and units got better. So now they're just very outclassed and kind of not really much of a place for them anymore. If I was determined to take it, this would be a unit where I'd say the Sabretooth Hunting Cat might be, you know, oh, yeah. an option. Yeah. But again, our real our real rule is Pathfinder Thunderstruck. Yes. Great Chieftain on the Minotaur Chariot. I take him. Are you the only one here that takes him? <laughs> Probably. I might be the only one. I'm currently building two. Yeah, I've tried them before. <laughs> but I don't take them regularly. So so the Great Chieftain on Minotaur Chariot, he's speed 7, melee 3, defense 5, uh, unit strength 1, 5 attacks, 14-16 nerve for 140 points. He has crushing 1, uh, crushing strength run, 1, rather, fury, inspiring, nimble, thunderous charge 2, and wild charge D3. Um, and he you can put a short bow on him. I, I don't, but for 15 points, you can put a short bow on him. I love this guy. I, I don't know if I take more than one, but I do love for 140 points, uh, defense five, 14, 16 nerve block. That's inspiring my other units around him with the odd shaped base. Uh, what you can do even with just disengage and his, his height of, um, height three, being able to see over like infantry units and stuff like that. You can get them around places. And, um, sometimes if I put something on him, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put like a 10 point item or a five point on him, but I don't, I don't soup them up all that much. So right now I'm running him naked and I'm, I'm happy with them. It would be pretty cool if he could get the horn. I think it, he'd have to be more expensive, but, uh, and the only other thing about him that just, itches my brain a little bit is he's one of the very, very few examples we have of the hero version of something not getting plus one crushing strength to what the... Oh, that's a good point. Right? Like not being crushed to Thunder 1 I feel like would be a typical yeah hero upgrade. To get the short bow attack, you only have five attacks, so paying 15 points or five shots is a is a little pricey. And you don't have steady aim, and you're wanting to always move this guy. Yeah, that, yeah. it's it's not worth taking unless they add in those extra uh, rules. I've also um, run into, I've, I've fallen into the trap uh, quite frequently where like, okay, I can't break because I only have five attacks. I'm going to send you in with something else. Oh no, I can't reform because you're a chariot base. Mm. And now, you know, it, it becomes tricky to get that reform. So I've left sure. uh, the Minotaur chariot kind of just sitting there ready to get flanked uh, a lot. But People who could line up and think a turn ahead better than I uh, can get a lot more use out of out of this this guy. He's intriguing. I mean, he's a scoring unit, um, and they can carry tokens, which is really important with the new scenario where some of them you can't have all of your eggs in one basket, and you need to spread them out. So having scoring units is very important for us. And what a great segue into the Lycan Alpha. Uh, you know, speed nine, melee three plus, defense five, five attacks, thirteen, fifteen nerve all for the bargain price of 165 points. Uh, Crushing Strength 2, Inspiring, Nimble, Pathfinder, Regeneration 5. It's like all the rules. Those of you that are playing the Alec and Alphas, talk to me about those. Once again, it's it, he falls into that same thing as the Centaur Chief for me, where Flax Hoof was the, just is too good by comparison. I'd rather pay the points. Moonfang's too good by comparison. I'd rather pay the points for Moonfang. Um, but this guy is good. He's a good hero. Right. It's it's not because he's bad. It's just because there is a better unit 
available in Moonfang. So yeah, or just get a regiment of centaurs, or you know, take twenty five points less and get a minotaur chariot if you want a cheap scoring hero, or right, or pay forty more points and get a beast of nature or moon pie, which is amazing. Um, it's it's just a weird spot, you know, and like you can get a lot of flanks and speed nine is awesome. But five attacks and 13, 15 nerve, um, you know, temper your expectations with what you expect it to kill and what if you expect it to survive or not. Um, this would be a prime candidate uh, for like an aura or a special rule or even something like a, um, a rampage or a slayer aura that you could take as like an upgrade or comes base or something that makes it a support piece because the way it's pointed right now. It's not really a combat piece. It's only got five attacks, but at that point, you're paying a regiment price for something that has 13, 15 nerve. Um, I I rarely use it because I I spend points other ways. Let's keep rolling. We got the Force Warden. Uh, The only change is he now has the Inspiring Special Rule. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's a good, you know, 90-point character with Inspiring who does have the Scout. He can synergize if you're going to take some Force Shamblers. There's some interesting things there. Hero slots are hard for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in the in the unique heroes. So, I mean, are you guys taking the Forest Warden? I'm not, um, but I but I could see this being a nice upgrade for him because you know you'd commonly scout him up, you know, before the game even starts, and you get him into a spot. Uh, just he's defense five for for you know under a hundred points, so he's a nice kind of chaff piece. Being able to inspire could be really handy on a flank. Um, as a, as a cheap inspiring unit that gets up there quick. But I, I personally don't use them because as you mentioned, so tight on character hero slots here. So, yeah, I've tried them a couple, like two or three games and I've put the, um, the hex item on them. Um, so you have that height three and that ability to cast a spell for only 105 points in a scoring unit. But then I quickly switched back to other hero slots. It was more of like, Oh, let me see how this works. It came up in one game. It was cool. You could put Loot of Insatiable Darkness for a scoring unit that also casts spells and now is inspiring. So I could see that. But if you're going to do that, go combo them with Kapoka and take Forces of Nature because you'll get a lot more mileage out of them. I got a really cool model form that I ended up getting because it put me over the threshold for free shipping. <laughs> but uh, so the inspiring, I was really excited about. I was really hoping he was going to get the kind of spellcaster treatment where they take off the surge as an option. I know thematically he, that's kind of his shtick is like, right. He's guiding the, the uh, forest uh, shamblers and stuff like that, but that would have been uh, pretty sweet. Yeah. They, we have too many good hero options that they're mostly left on the shelf. Yeah, no, we do. And the last regular one is is the Tree Herder. And I have seen many uh, people uh, play the Tree Herder and, more importantly, his option to be upgraded to the Wilt Father. So take us through this, Keith. I know you've played this before. I have. Played against the Wilt Father many times, too. So we are now one of the two factions that could take the Wilt Father, thankfully, because it used to be you could see him in every army. Um, but the Tree Harder, speed six, melee three, defense six, which is huge, because not too many units that we can take have defense six. Um, unit strength one, attacks nine, dash 18, 260 points. Comes with Crushing Strength 3, Inspiring, Pathfinder, Radiance of Life, which is amazing, Scout and Strider, 
And then for a bargain 40 points, you can upgrade to the Wilt Father, losing Radiance of Life, increasing attacks to 10, nerve to dash 19, gaining Aura, Vicious, Verdant only, and Cloak of Death. Um, cannot take this with a magical artifact. Um, I appreciate the rules committee balancing it so that it's the vicious verdant only means that you can't take it with like beast of nature or other things that have vicious, but even without other uh, verdant uh, units in the army, which we rarely take, man, the tree herder is really, really good. The defense six and not being shambling is pretty darn nice. Um, Cause it's the only thing in our list that can do that. And, and either the radiance of life is, is good, but it, that cloak of death is money. He's really good. He's just very expensive, right? 300 points. <laughs> a pretty penny right there. You're talking dragon territory. Yes. <laughs> See him going a little better with the longhorns now as uh, the, you know, his standard, just the tree herder radiance of life on defense five is a little bit more useful. You want the tree herder with your main battle line, uh, supporting, scouting up, you know, projecting threat while still able to take a charge and then you can counter charge. Um, Nice thing about the uh, tree herder too is that the um, you know you get that second uh, surge eight um, with them, but because they have that hero monster base size in height five, there's a lot of tricks that you can do with them in terms of like maneuverability and getting them where they need to go. Um, I will say with the wilt father though that that dash nineteen nerve is amazing and increasing attacks to ten like. This can tank entire uh, entire units by itself. Normally, when you play herd, a lot of our things are squishy. So turns five and six, we're kind of looking around like, oh god, what do we have left? Like, who can contribute? <laughs> who wants to fight? What? How many attacks does my druid have? Was a question that we used to say to ourselves all the time. <laughs> Another reason I missed the shaman with two attacks. How many times on turn six would I charge the shaman in to try to finish somebody so off? So good. Yeah. <laughs> So the tree herder is usually the, hey, I'm still around turns five or six. Um, so it's good to have a at least a couple of those units in our army. It's it's nice to take the regular tree herder and throw some some fun items on them, like, uh, you know, giving them plus one speed, um, scouting up and being able to do top of turn one charges or, you know, giving them nimble is pretty scary. A defense six nimble 50 millimeter base running around with that height. Um, so there's, 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 I, I've seen them run a lot of different ways and with a lot of success, they're scary. One of the only units too, that really benefits from Han sanguinary scripture or Aegis mm-hmm. of the old yep. Lohi, because that radiance of life with an iron resolve or life leech is just mean. Mm-hmm. And it's even six unit. Even just blade of slashing, like I think the only person more efficient for that item with the crush three is like uh, what Grok from the ogres because he gets the D three. I mean that that brings his attacks up to the Wilt Fathers, not not with the uh, cloak of death, but yeah, and combos really nicely with the um, great chieftain dread and radiance of life. If you line up your models, they're an instant minus two, uh, which helps because we really need to break things on the charge. Three unique units we got. Chris, you want to take us through Flax Hoof? All right, so. Uh... Flex Hoof is speed 8, melee 3+, plus, defense 4. Uh, he has 6 attacks and 13-15 nerve for 160 points. Uh, he has Aura, Thunderous Charge 1 for Centaurs, and Crushing Strength 2, Fury. He's an individual, inspiring, mighty, and Pathfinder. 
I just find him, I mean, he has two more attacks than that centaur hero, and that aura, if you're taking a number of centaurs, if you're theming your army around centaurs, he's a very fun unit to have on the table, uh, because that, that aura thunderous charge one is pretty scary for a lot of people. <laughs> um, when you, you start um, throwing that aura around on, on even regiments, it gets, it gets pretty scary for people. So he's a fun unit. Um, where I run into, I, I actually, I think Keith, it was you and I, we were chatting around. I was, I was r- throwing my list by you and I was running flax hoof and stuff. And, <laughs> and then we started talking about the chieftain and I tried the chieftain out once for about the same points. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> the I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and flax hoof is so thematic. And then the fluff, you know, it's like a dynamic character and the, uh, yes. the centaurs are some of our cooler models. Yeah, it's it's hard. You know, for f- 10 points less, you could have someone the speed 10 that gives the wild charge aura. But hey, if you're going to take a uh, horde of Centaur Bray Striders, uh, Flax Hoof better be parked right next to them to give that extra Thunderous Charge one. Yeah, that's super scary. Would love to see a shooting attack on Flax Hoof because I think while you're waiting for that, the ability to shoot would, would make Flax Hoof a little bit more take- takeable to contribute in every single phase of the game. Love to see a bow attack on them. Who wants to take Moonfang? I know Moonfang's pretty popular. I'll take Moonfang. So this is Moonfang. Um, speed 9, melee 3, 5 plus defense, which is really big. Uh, unit strength 1, 6 attacks for 14, 16, coming in at um, 210. One of our more resilient characters. Um, and that's has that really nice combination of speed nine, defense five. The nerve is a little bit lower, but you get regen four, and that is huge. So crushing strength two, inspiring, nimble pathfinder, vicious melee, um, and then the special rule primal savagery. Friendly core units that are engaged with the same enemy unit as Moonfang have vicious melee. So Moonfang often makes it into my list. Um, having another scoring unit, having a character that's generally there for the end of the game, as long as you're not putting Moonfang in situations where like they're going against hordes or things with like a lot of melee three attacks and high crushing, they can generally outgrind more than most uh, in our list. Um, and then the speed nine with the uh, inspiring, just park them right next to a unit of um, spirit walkers or lichens, and then they give that vicious to help with the melee. It's it's so good. One of my favorite models um, in units. Go Moonfang. Yeah, that that regeneration four plus with the defense five, and I would I would say that nerve fourteen sixteen is really good on a on a hero with defense five and regen four. There are lots of times where he's last man standing (laughs) uh, i'll go through units and he's getting beat up all game and and by the end of the game he maybe has one or two wounds on him still because it's he just regens so much off when half the wounds are leaving every turn so you know we've all had those those turns where you have like 10 wounds sitting on him and you you know he luckily didn't break and suddenly you're rolling eight uh you know four pluses and he's down to two wounds and your your opponent's just cursing themselves so he's fun (laughs) you hand out vicious to a uh, horde of guardian brutes or a horde of uh, spirit walkers it's oh my god it's nasty it's so good yeah compliments really well he synergizes with everything in the army because of that Uh, we have a couple instances where we can give out vicious between the uh, wilt father and moonfang 
it's a good problem to have, but there's a little redundancy there. A lot of good miniatures to pick from. I use the Warp Wolf Stalker for Moonpie, the uh, uh, Circle of Orboros um, uh, Warp Wolf that has the giant sword. Um, and it's dynamic and it's fun. And uh, I've taken this unit a lot. Highly recommend. My Moonfang is using a, a Mantic old school like metal lichen uh, or werewolf hero. Uh, and I took uh, tree herder branches, uh, one of two branches off from his back, and sculpted them onto his back to make him uh, very foresty. Uh, so he has a bird sitting in one, and uh, the the nest sitting in the <laughs> other side. Uh, so that's that's my moon fang, hundred percent mantic. So <laughs> one page rules does uh, these like wear tiger things uh, as part of their uh, beastman line. So I've got one. It's like their chieftain guy. He's like leaping off a rock with this huge double handed sword. Nice. Looks pretty awesome. Well, we got one more unit, and that's the Avatar of the Father. Got the Avatar of the Father, who was, I think, if I remember correctly, was missing at the beginning of 3rd edition, but then got added in recently. So the Avatar of the Father, it's a legendary unit. Uh, it's got speed. It's hero monsters, speed 10, melee 3 up, defense 5 up. Um, it's got 9 attacks, 17, 19 nerve, 285 points. It's high 5 as well, being a monster. Uh, it's got Crushing Strength 2, Fly, Fury, Nimble, Pathfinder, and Thunder 2, and very inspiring. He's so good. This unit's awesome. I have a hard time fitting him in, but I really like him. <laughs> I have a hard time not putting him in my list. <laughs> uh, my first unlock unit, and I go right down to him, and he just goes right in. Nice. Before uh, this Clash of Kings, I always tell people this is the best dragon in the game. Yeah, I can see that. Um, 50 millimeter base, so not a Titan base. So that's always so much easier to get in. And then I feel like he has all the rules you want your dragon to have, right? He's very inspiring, Pathfinder, nimble. He's got Fury for some waiver mitigation. His only somewhat downside was Crush 2, Thunder 1 instead of Crush 3. And he's got nine attacks instead of the kind of the standard 10, but he's better than they would be if he's charging into terrain. Yeah, and that's a big one, right? You always find yourself hindered with the dragons that you're putting on the flank. And being sub 300 points, I'm just, I mean, so so before, I'll say before the change, I always said this is the best dragon in the game. After the changes, with a lot of them getting unit strength 2, I think it lowers him just a little bit because at the on turn 6, if you're going to a control point or an objective or something, now they're winning that that unit strength battle yeah fits with the theme of it's fast the very inspiring is great and the game when all your things are spread out across the board and you're desperately trying to pull things in uh to inspiring so they can survive the counter charge and fury on them was such a great rule you know like a really you hit the nail on the head where a lot of these rules like pathfinder and fury uh help with what would normally be uh awful for dragons and if you really want to be kind of a dick, he's uh has keyword herd. Um, so put him next to two Longhorn regiments, and he is nineteen twenty one. Writing quickly down. <laughs> what, what was that again? Yeah, it's interesting that the mid table guy points that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just when you think you know an army back and front, you know, man, I love. Oh, that's what I love about this game. Always new ideas. We're about to see these changes in Clash of Kings 2024. Give me a sense of how this army is going to fit in this new landscape. Having done the um, scenario episodes, I think that we're going to take a little bit of a hit. The need for quality token bearers and getting loot tokens is increasing with some of them. 
um, stockpile specifically um, and changes to push, it's going to be a little bit tougher where normally we would put a lot of our uh, tokens onto one or two units. Like now that there's going to be more tokens to grab, we're going to lose a lot of our speed. And what we're paying for is a lot of wild charge and auras and speed. So having that go down to five for multiple units is going to be really tough as we're going to require a lot of planning. So for the people who run alpha help, uh, alpha strike heavy, like I normally do, you're going to have to be very cognizant when you plan for um, at least two of the scenarios that could show up at a GT. Yeah, I agree. One of the downsides to our army too is that we're very terrain dependent and a lot depends on the table. So we pay a lot of points and we depend a lot on forests and cover and making sure our squishy units don't die before we can get them into position. So depending on the table that you're at or the GT or your standard rules for terrain, um, that can have a very big impact on the game. Whereas some other army wide special rules doesn't really matter, you know, based on the GT that you're going to, but something that you can see from table to table, how it impacts the herd. We did have a question from Justin Berg, and it kind of goes to, you know, what makes this army effective? What's the composition that'll make a winning army? His question was, is it just spam eight hordes of lichens and hope to get there? Or is there enough <laughs> without them without being punished for overextending? So maybe give us a sense of what you guys are playing, uh, you know, generally. Well, in in general, I think to be a good herd player, you have to be very good um, with chaff. You have to be very good with analyzing and being patient of when to pounce. Because we don't grind well, you have to know the math. <laughs> um, and where, whereas some other armies are far more forgiving. Um, I think it's a it's a very fun style to play, but I don't think any of us like spam stuff. Like I have I have three chariot units, but they're all different, right? I have a horde, a regiment, and a hero. I have two of the same chaff unit and a third of a different one, right? Like there's nothing that really gets spammed in my list. I, and Keith, I don't think you really spam much either other than um, the beast of nature, I guess on the triple beast of nature list, you could call that beast of nature spam maybe, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, you, you need a variety. Um, you need to be able to take some units that can be resilient yes. and be aware that you may lose units early on and that's okay. Um, so we're really good with our mobility um, and with Pathfinder at kind of making late game pushes or turning the tide or getting some sneakier wins. Um, but it can be very disheartening when you have a horde of lichen shot off first turn, um, especially if you're in a table that doesn't have a lot of cover. Um, it can happen. Um, our things are very squishy. So we... Um, we suffer more than more most armies uh, when it comes to double ones because we can't take that. You know, like I did the math, I did every, I lined it all right. But like, if you roll that double ones and your things, your units are just hanging out there, um, ready to be countercharged, uh, we really suffer from that, and that's been a uh, uh, a downfall um, at times. So just be aware that it's a fun army and it is an exciting army, and you get to learn a lot about movement but it's not a particularly forgiving army. I think that's why you don't see uh, a, a lot of her, herd armies showing up in, in tournaments. I mean, you see one or two. Uh, you usually don't see the six, seven herd armies at a GT uh, like you might with some other armies. Um, in general, I think Kings of War is, is 
balanced from top to bottom, we see a really nice spread of different armies, but you'll see GTs without a single herd player. And I think, I think that's because it is, it is not a forgiving army. It is a very tactical army and, and you have to utilize a lot of synergies to make the army very successful and, and utilize the terrain as Keith was saying, utilize the terrain uh, to your advantage. And if you're not doing those things, you're probably losing the game because if you're, if you're trying to get into a grind with an army that's, that's, that grinds better for cheaper, you're losing that game. <laughs> and so um, you just, you have to know when and where to strike. Um, so a lot of times my tactics are, uh, um, I may even faint a flank like I'm coming up and then I might pull back and not engage and pull something from that flank to help in the middle. And because we're so fast, we can do that and your opponent can't adjust quite as quickly. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a very, a, a very tactical army. Um, which can be a great way to learn the game. Um, but you might have to go through some great growing pains getting there. It's a good army to learn too, that like you don't have to fight on your opponent's terms. Like a lot of our games, your opponent, right. You have your death star and I got my auras and I have this giant unit and I got like all these cool toys in the middle. I'm going to march forward and fight. But if you play herd in certain play styles, like you don't have to do that. Like, okay, I'm not going to engage your main force. I'm not going to, meet you head on we're going to play scenarios over here and you can pull apart things and surround them and it can make for a very dynamic game where you play the whole table um, and hopefully if you're at a gt you're playing a single table so you don't have to walk through the uh, long lines of tables to get to the other side or pull your back leaning over the table quite frequently but if you're doing that it means you're playing herd correctly if you're playing more on your opponent's half of the board yes <laughs> we do invade very well. We do. <laughs> we know you guys are good at a lot of scenarios. We also understand the impact of terrain. It is super important for this army. But one of the things we didn't really talk a lot about is magical artifacts. Are you guys throwing lots of artifacts on or are you keeping things cheap and cheerful and getting more bodies? Give me a sense of overall magical artifacts uh, on your army lists. In general, my strategy with artifacts are... Um, if I have some key units that I want to push over the top, I put artifacts on them as I'm, as I'm making my list from the very beginning, because as Keith was saying, this isn't an army you want to, you know, run a unit in and not break something you want to be breaking things. And so putting a couple of artifacts on some of your key units to make sure you're, you're breaking things or like, like Keith mentioned, you know, one is one of his most important artifacts on that uh spirit walker like him thank you horde of spirit Walkers. i was like having saying berserkers and i'm like wait what <laughs> his horde of spirit walkers is is key to his entire strategy right so he's putting that artifact on right away and then i just try to fit as much as i can in the list like so i'd rather not pile on a bunch of artifacts on my other mid-tier stuff or my lower stuff and get an extra unit of harpies or something like that instead a lot of our um, hammers are pretty pricey. Like you're looking in the 250, uh, sometimes closer to 300 point range when you put items on them. So you have to make sure that things are quality. It's um, a lower drop army, like 10 towards 12, 14 kind of drop area, sometimes as low as 11. Um, so with that being said, you need your units to contribute. So I take Chalice of Wrath, Staying Stone, and Dwarven Ale a lot. Um, always Dwarven Ale in one list because 
if you have a horde of lichens or another unit that's wavered and it's not contributing, um, it's really painful because you need to make sure that you're getting the most out of them for their price point. So I always make sure to include that. And the brew strength. Um, we get a lot of units that have like 30 attacks, like the spirit walkers or the um, tribal spears or the guardian brutes that would benefit from sharpness. Um, and sharpness and elite, of course, I would put on um, a stampede as well, just to make sure you're killing what you charge uh, on the charge. So I use a lot of items, but you need to because you need to get a lot of value out of the units because you're already paying a premium for most of them. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because Paul Collins wants to know, is it possible to write a herd list without the horn of the Great Migration? Yes. I mean, I guess you could technically write one, but would you play it? (laughs) (laughs) I have. (laughs) I would say, you know, when I was when I was first running flax hoof and a horde of centaurs and stuff, it was darn fun. And I was, I was winning games with it. It's just that, that chieftain with the horn of migration is just so such a utility piece that it's hard to leave him at home now, but um, you still, you certainly can. I was just going to say, speaking of him, does anybody else find it odd that he's a infantry and not a heavy infantry? Like I would think he'd be a longhorn. Oh, the great chieftain. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. Well, don't change him. I already have a model I like. Yeah, I was about to say, I've already got him picked. So, yeah, <laughs> I heard nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we all know Twilight Kins, the new boogeyman on Fanatics. And so Justin Berg had a question, you know, talk to us about how Herd's going to handle playing against 42 lightning bolts, 15 weakness with piercing one lists. You know, the lower defense overall seems scary and you can only take three glade stalker druids with hacks. This is a new, a new reality that we haven't faced before. And and how do you think Herd's going to deal with it? I mean, I'm no expert, but the one thing I do know about Twilight Ken is on the average, they're not that fast of an army. So with the herd, you can get in pretty darn quickly and start punching them. And, you know, they, they can't cast when they're disordered. So I, mean, I think a lot of that would kind of go away as you start closing in. Now, whether or not you can survive the charge, you know, whether the storm as you're getting in, I, I don't know. But yeah, I was like, once you hit the, once those battle lines meet, I, I think the herd would have that upper hand on a lot of those uh, nice uh, Twilight Kin units. Yeah, speed is the great equalizer because if you can weather that one turn of shooting, two turns of shooting, you stand a chance as you disorder things. And Beast of Nature are great for pinning shooting units. Um, if you're going to play a style, and Herd has great variety. You can do a shooting list. You can do a defense six heal list. You can do um, a scout list. Like There's a lot of that, but it's not quite as optimized as what you can get out of for the alpha strike. But yeah, an infantry list would suffer a lot because we don't have um, particularly efficient heal beyond the Gladewalker, uh, which would get pretty pricey and isn't going to be- necessarily benefit from the elemental um, keyword unless you're building a specific type. Yeah, that's been our boogeyman for a while is the shooting armies and the new updates to Northern Alliance and Twilight Kin so far. There's going to be some quality shooting out there. So it's a really good question. I would love to see a stealthy aura. Um, that we can take, but hope you have a good terrain on your side and hope you can close quickly. Generally speaking, what do you guys love to see against herd? I feel like ogres for us aren't bad as long as they're not doing the lightning bolt spam. That can be a little painful on that aspect, but ogres themselves, because they're generally slower than us and we have the the smashing power to to get through them. Yeah, night stalkers would be my preferred matchup. 
we don't tend to bring a lot of shooting. We're faster, and they're generally like lower. Some of their older units were lower defense, but they would have universal stealthy, whereas a lot of the lists that we would bring wouldn't have a ton of shooting. So all those points would be kind of wasted, and you could outrange them for a lot of things. Um, so uh, Night Stalkers, I'd say, would be the army that I would feel most comfortable going up against. The trash meta armies, the hordes of rabble, halflings, um, things with phalanx and cheap unlocks, that's what really gives us trouble because we have, tend to have low drops and we don't really want to commit too early on. Um, but if you wait too long, then you're playing cleanup uh, turns five and six and you may not have enough units or they may have too many units that you don't have enough turns to mop them up. Um, that's really what's given me trouble um, through a lot of my games is that uh, we do good against elite armies where we can surround things and pick them up like a, a Varinger or some Northern Alliance builds. But um, anything that can flood the table and present multiple angles and block all of our landing zones, that gives me fits when I play against them. Yeah, because you don't want to get hung up on you know, a, a 1921 horde or anything like you get hung up and you're, you're basically stuck and there's not much you can do after that point. And just, yep. Yeah. And then you get shot. And then yeah. I, I was, yeah, <laughs> I was just crossing my fingers at, at Memphis, hoping I didn't draw Jeff O'Neill turn one. Well, I mean, that's, that's everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say that the heavy shooting armies and, and as Keith was saying, like that, the, the junk garbage armies, of just, just laying out all these, you know, 75 foot point rabble units all over the table. They get hard because you're always going to have those, those moments of bad dice. <laughs> and, and, and it seems like in those games, every time when I'm p- playing uh, some of these goblins like that, I, I just have to like, yeah, you've got to break something every single time you're hitting it. You can't get hung up and have to spend an extra turn on one of these stupid rabble un- units. Right. Um, or you're just getting too bogged down and you can't, you don't have enough turns to get through all of it. And then the, that kind of spam shooting that the goblins can do, they're probably my least favorite army to play, but I get a bit of practice against it because I get to play Donnie Croche quite a bit <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you asked what our favorite army is and I, um, I would say melee armies in general, um, are the favorite, my favorite army to play because in general, even if it's a fast army, like a cav army or something, we're slightly faster. And they're paying all those points for speed when we're still able to dictate the charges, right? And so um, those are probably my like the best armies for us to face. Are you guys going first or second? First. Depends on the scenario and the terrain. Depends on the range of their shooters. Also true. Yeah, if I have the foresight and remember to like deploy six inches back or whatever need to be um, second. But Jen... Generally, uh, the way I deploy, I'd want to go first so I can project threat immediately and um, try to look for some good angles and uh, use up some clock time. I would say in general, I go first as well, but it really does depend on the scenario, the army I'm facing, the terrain itself. Um, You know, just some of the scenarios going second is quite advantageous. And if I don't feel like I'm getting behind where I want to be on the table as far as board control by going second against my opponent, I, I like to go second. But so often you want to get, you want to project your speed and your and, and your threat range right away, uh, and so you're you're jumping out 
to just out of their charge ranges and they're just in yours, right? And then you're forcing them to make a lot of decisions on, on the bottom of one. But it depends. It's the best answer. <laughs> you guys talked a little about how the complexities of playing this army, but you know, overall, would you consider this an army that's new player friendly? I think it's new player friendly in that it's such a, as you can tell by the sheer amount of units that we went through for a theme list, it's a good army to play if you want to build a variety of models. Like you can start forces of nature, salamanders, um, dwarves, you know, with the earth elementals, forest shamblers. There's a lot here and a lot of different builds. Um, it'll teach you movement. It'll teach you patience. And um, but it's not a very forgiving army. But if that's how you learn, is by you know learning through defeat and making dumb mistakes like, oh, I lost my unit of lichens because I forgot to leave them for uh, far enough behind my harpies and they got stuck and charged and died. Um, if that's how you learn, then play herd. But it, it does take a lot uh, to play them and it's it's not forgiving. I'll piggyback on that by saying if, if you have a personality where you want to step into a new game and you're a new newer player and you want to be able to win a handful of games um, out of the gate, Herd is not your army <laughs> um, because it isn't forgiving. And if you make one mistake, it can cost you the whole game uh, where there are some other armies that are far more forgiving. But I think that like the combination of modeling options uh, that, that the hobby that it brings and the, the movement that you'll learn by playing Herd is, is really good for new players. <clears throat> so if you can if you can weather like if you don't mind playing eight or ten games and maybe you win one or you draw a game on your eighth game and you're happy now um if you're that kind of player then herd is great to jump into because it's going to really hone your skills or if you like to finish your games about 15 20 minutes before everybody else because <laughs> <laughs> by turn five like one of you is probably a smoking wreck of an army either yeah. you messed up and you're tabled by turn five or you've really dominated your opponent by turn five so you're generally games go quick for at least for me playing the herd but man there's a lot of thinking that goes on so <laughs> round three round three of a gt and you're just a sweaty mess you know like I can do that without playing herd. So you know. <laughs> you're just a sweaty mess. Yep. Sweaty mess at the end of the tournament. So points level does this army work best at? This is a really good ambush army because of the amount of terrain on that four by four, like or the three by three. You can you can play a fantastic uh, herd army. The troops unlocking. We don't have nearly as much of our unlock issue. I feel like as we do with full sizes. Yeah, troops of longhorns fit really well. Uh, Beast of nature on foot with the. Uh, um, ranged attack. We have a lot of really good ambush options available for herd. Um, as you get into higher points levels, our speed kind of gets taken away a little bit as the board fills up more with more stuff. So any of the 25, 26, 3000 point tournaments you may go to or doubles games becomes um, a lot trickier to play. But the I think the 1995 is the sweet spot for us. We can still take all the toys we want, but the um, there's not as much on the table, so you can get more landing zones and more room to maneuver. I agree with that. Like that, that 2000 to 2300 is kind of the sweet spot. Like um, Renegade's running at 2800, and I've, I've been playing around with some lists. It's like, oh, yeah, it's cool to get more toys, but then I'm imagining my opponents <laughs> <laughs> and all of the, the tactics I, I traditionally like to use. It's like, yeah, the same tricks won't work because you just don't have the. The space so i think for those bigger point tournaments the armies that that 
can just kind of take a beating and, and grind in a line um, are going to be a bit better at that point level. So who's got a list they want to share? This is kind of my my latest standard 2300 point list that I would take um, to a grand tournament. I'll uh, start off with the uh, obligatory two units of harpies <laughs> right, right out of the gate. If, I, uh, if I'm making any list, I pretty much start with a couple of units of chaff. So I put two units of, of harpies, large uh, horde of lichens with uh, the brew of strength, and a couple of brace riders regiments, a troop of gur panthers, a regiment of scorch wings, uh, for another chaff unit as my fourth chaff unit then. Uh, a couple of Minotaur chariot units, uh, one regiment with the upgrade of, upgrade of the Stampede with the Blessing of the Gods for Elite, Horde of Chariots with the Brew of Sharpness, and then a Beast of Nature with all the trimmings, Noxious Mist, Wings, and increasing the attacks. Great Chieftain running around with uh, the Horn of Great Migration and the Wings of the Honey Maze, and I give him the uh, Sabertooth Hunting Cat for uh, Duelist, so... 10 attacks is, is rather nice when he's hitting on threes with uh, his crush one thunder one. Moonfang running around and then the great chieftain on uh, the Minotaur chariot. And that uh, that pretty much rounds out my list at 2,300 points. Nice. Uh, 13 drops, unit strength 22. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I created a 2,300 point list um, right after receiving the uh, new Clash of King updates. Um, so these will be taking into account the new discount for the rules, uh, for the lichens and the uh, druid. So a horde of spirit walkers with brew of haste, as you do. Uh, two troops of harpies. Two hordes of lichens, one with the dwarven ale and one with the brew of strength. Um, a regiment of four shamblers with the orb of towering presence. A horde of scorch wings with the helm of confidence. Two beasts of nature with seven attacks and wings, a great chieftain with the horn of my, a great migration and wings of the honey maze, <clears throat> a druid on forest steed with conjurer sta- staff, bane chant, um, and then ten points extra saved was for wind blast, and then the avatar of the father, so comes in at uh, twelve drops, unit strength twenty one and. Most uh, units are speed uh, nine or ten. So this is this is the Alpha Strike army, and I've played variations of this for a long time. It's fast. It's not forgiving. Um, you don't want to break on the charge, but it can um, put a lot of pressure onto your opponent. And then the four shamblers uh, give a little bit of utility with pressing the issue, as well as providing like some kind of thick chaff. And that's the list. Chase, you got one for us? Yeah, actually, this is the one I'm going to bring to Forge. I have a regiment of uh, Hunters of the Wild. I have a troop of Harpies. I have a, a horde of Guardian Brutes with the Meat of Madness. A horde of Centaur Brace Riders with Chalice of Wrath. And then I have a the Stampede, unique uh, upgrade for the Chariot Regiment. I also have a Chariot Horde with uh, Boots of Striding. I got a Druid with... The Bane Chant and Lightning Bolt 2 upgrade with the Conjuring Staff. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Moon Moon, uh, Avatar of the Father, and then I'm taking the Formation as well. Final thoughts. What are your final thoughts on the Herd Army? So I, I had one I had one thing I wanted to, if you don't mind. Uh, you had asked us, um, where would we uh, like Mantic to take the Herd? 
in the future as one of the first questions on the thing. Um, I've been thinking about the last few days. I just had something I'd like to, a little spiel maybe I'd like to give for a couple minutes. So that's all right. So uh, moving to herd on in the future, I thought it'd be cool to kind of distinguish them a little bit more from just kind of, hey, here's some nature stuff and a bunch of, you know, animalistic humanoids. So I thought it would be cool. Um, there's been a lot of uh, EOD talk lately with their new revamp and everything that they did. So storyline wise, it's the EODs expanding and in their expansion, they're literally killing the land as they expand their territory. Um, so the green lady, it's gotten bad enough where she's worried about the balance of the world itself as far as nature goes and, and you know, climate, stuff like that. So she wants to do something about it. But if you've looked at a Panathor map, uh, Galahir is like way central you know, location on the northern continent um, and the EOD's southern continent. Um, I was looking at a map and there's a huge wooded area south of the elves territory on the southern continent. So I thought it'd be cool if the Green Lady offered to send the herd to that wooded area. Uh, it's called um, Vaishlar on the map. It's south of uh, all the Elven territory. So Elven, the Elves send an Elven armada up to the uh, southern coast of that uh, central continent. They pick up the you know the herd as they'd be the easiest to transport for all the you know forces of nature type armies because they're the most humanoid. Whereas like Order of the Green Lady, like they have to stay in Galahir. They need to be with the lady for their sacred water, you know, kind of stuff and all that. Um, so the herd gets brought down to uh, Vaishlar. Basically, they're sent there to just hold off the EOD expanse in that direction while the elves hold the territory north of them. And one thing this would do is you could leave a lot of the nature stuff in Galahir, right? So like the, the elementals, you could do woodland critters, you know, whatever uh, stuff like that you wanted to leave up there that at least as f I feel like as far as we've discussed, don't add too much to the herd list. You could do that. And in doing so, because they'd be in a new territory, a new continent, there'd be all these new species and uh, creatures that they could add into their army. So I had a couple ideas for new units. I thought gnolls were a really good choice. Uh, the, you know, hyena humanoid kind of creatures. I thought they could be kind of like a, a low defense, medium damage unit. Um, and I was thinking... Uh, giving each other like an aura vicious for other null units would be cool. Like they're hyping each other up and about, you know, cause hyenas, they, they, they hunt better in huge packs. Um, and maybe like life leaps, like they're eating some of the dead as they're fighting and stuff. Um, and it'd be, they're kind of like vicious in, in combat, but not really like cruel. Like I feel like the, you know, Warhammer beastmen kind of are. Um, and then I thought if the glade druids get, or the glade druids get left at home, or sorry, glade walker druids get left at home, they want to stay in Galahir and, and, and do all that. In the south, there could be, I didn't know there were previously shamans, but I was thinking shamans would be a cool uh, spellcaster to have added to the army. And instead of casting spells in a normal way, I thought it'd be cool if they had bone runes that they cast. And so it'd be rolling dice. And instead of, okay, you got that, you successfully cast your spell, it could be each additional success unlocks a new option for like a curse or a blessing from the gods that you could give to your teammates or or cast on the enemy. And the idea here is they're, they're eventually the green lady asks them to come back, you know, Galahir's being threatened by Night Stalkers or the, or the Twilight Kin or something, and she asks them to come back and kind of defend the home front. And they refused, you know, right? They've been fighting down for a long time down in the south. They've made a home. They've, you know, kind of become a tribe with some of the, the creatures down there and everything. So they refuse her. They're not abandoning her way of life or anything. They're just like, this is our home now. You know, you sent us down here. We don't want to abandon 
you know, all of our friends and, and, you know, everything like that to the EOD that's surely going to come, come through if we leave. Uh, Keith talked about it before. We're like the, the green lady was kind of bringing them their morality kind of more in check where the father was like evilness. You could lean slightly into that without getting all the way to like beastmen, you know, but it would be a way we could refresh some new units in the army and get rid of some of the things that I feel like are a little stale. That's fantastic. What I would like to see Mantic do with the herd is actually have them on their website. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have to be afraid that they're going to just get rid of the herd at some point because I don't want them to get rid of the herd. And I feel like they have, they have so many things that they could literally just slap a sticker herd sticker on the side of the box. And it would also qualify as that army. And they could have a number of these units um, on their website available as, as herd. Uh, So that's that's the big thing for me is if if Mantic is taking the herd anywhere, it's just don't kill them. <laughs> Keith said earlier though it'd be a great idea for them to build a, a like a lichen kit that could make werewolves in hard plastic. I mean, mm-hmm. you could get versatility. Well, yeah, sure, you can use them for herb, but you can also use them for the undead. So uh, and 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 maybe that well, kit right. also makes minotaurs or owl bears or something. You know, a, 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 an animalistic bipedal large infantry unit, whatever that is. Well, they already have um, plastic werewolves, right? So it's like... Well, they have the rustic ones. Yeah, the rustic. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Um, but like slapping a, a sticker on the side of that box that says herd as well, herd lichens also, right, is pretty easy to do. And building another tab on the website that says herd and you can have Scorchwings in there and you can have the lichens in there. You can have the lichen hero. You can have all the elementals. You can have the druids. You can have centaurs. There's a lot of stuff, and yet they've never built that. So that's my big request to Mantic. <laughs> if you're listening. If they were going to do a 3D print army, I feel like this might be a good one to test that out on. This would be a fantastic STL army, and I think it was brought up in one of the older Counter Charge episodes, too. It's a very low-risk, high-reward, too, because you already have the army, and there's some cool sculpts, and it would go right along with the uh, Mantic Companion subscription and the vaults. And why not try it out? And you're not paying for the production part, just the design. So it's lower overhead. I think fluff-wise, I would love to see them take a direction where there's more friction uh, with the Green Lady. Um, Kind of that like added layer of um, conflict and manipulation and being used as like the front line versus, you know, the manipulation. I think that that would make a good theme for a book um, maybe coming up. but just if you if you love the underdog theme, um, both in terms of representation at GTs as well as their uh, fluff storyline as being like the discarded um, counter to the orcs and universally despised, feared, and hated, but still fighting for the side of good most of the time, uh, these are your folks. Would like Mantic to do more with the herd, um, but I kind of in a different way. I also like to kind of differentiate them from the other nature sort of based alpha strike army that being court of the green lady <laughs> like, like i mean they already are distinguished but at some point it's just like why why would i play the herd when i could just have four or five hordes of order of the forsaken and really alpha strike you know with some really efficient heal backing up and unicorns exactly. and pegasus yeah That's so something to sort of differentiate um but I, I, I 100% agree with the whole STL idea. You know, this is a fairly good, because I think pretty certain a lot of the League of Infamy models were 
I don't know for certain, but probably were digitally sculpted. So they kind of have those SDLs, you know, sort of ready. I could see them creating a whole new army and they kickstart it and you buy the whole army and then it goes to companion down the road. Right. And because that, that would allow them to cover the cost of Luigi's time to make the sculpts. Right. You know, and it would, you know, it's not really a profit thing. It's more of just, hey, just cover my costs. And then they know they're going to get the revenue on the back end when it goes to companion, say six months or whatever it is. I think it's great because the, the big the big thing with armies like the herd is that there's great ranges all over there. But it would be nice if somebody said, here's a herd army, boom. And it's all done right. by the same the same person. And they have a same they have a, a consistent art direction and things look like they belong to this. I mean, I, I like all the models, right? You got GW and you got RDG gaming, but you can't put those when you put them next to each other, they look like, you know, Martians and from Venus, right? Like, I mean, they don't necessarily feel like they're of the same world. And so it would be cool to find some, you know, to I, look, I think herds the perfect army to do a STL army with this because, they're really not cannibalizing that many sales, right? Because it's not not a as Chris pointed out, it's not an army, even though they make models for it, that they're even pushing. Well, awesome guys, uh, Herculean effort as always. I appreciate you know that the teachers in the in the room they have to be up first thing in the morning. It stuck out a lot longer than we anticipated, uh, but I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this episode on the herd. And I think we had a a unique perspective in the sense that we've got some highly end, you know, some high end players that have shown you know, that have had results. We've also had, you know, players at various other levels. We've had RC back um, as well as previous RC that could give us a perspective on, you know, the stampede that used to be this omnipresent, <laughs> unbelievable death machine. And we could kind of follow through to the process of where we are today, where it's an upgrade for Minotaur Chariots. Thanks very much for coming on. It's been a blast. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having us, Rob. Yeah, thank you, Rob. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.